For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. My sincerest apologies. I'm mad keen to get as many shout outs as I can on the day. And one that has slipped by me and it's been popping up ever since the day I missed it was a special 50th anniversary. Now, it's late with this, but the problem was they had asked for it to be as close to midday any day as possible. And I never got around to it. And then I lost it. But I just want to give out a quick shout out, if I could, to Anne and Brendan Mitchell, uh, who celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary last week. It was also Brendan's birthday on the day. And Mam loves the show and loves when Neil gives out personal shout outs. So if you could do so, it'd be possible. It'd be great. But my apologies, Elaine, for doing it as late as I'm doing it now. But I just want to wish belated wedding anniversaries and birthday greetings to Anne and Brenda, Brendan Mitchell. So uh, sorry about that. Sorry I'm late. But as the fellow says, better late than never. And one of my first texts this morning was a text that just says, this is for Niall. This is for Niall. Please find a ticket for the cross tonight or I'm in trouble. Kids ticket, please. Hope and pray I will get one. Uh, <laughs> all I know is what Kevin is telling me and what I hear Rory saying in the sports news. It's the hottest ticket in town. It's City's first game back in the Premier Division playing bows down the cross tonight. Can tickets be got, my man? No. Totally uh, even out. if we twist someone's arm, I, 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 I don't know. I'll have to, I'll have to ask a few people around the station. But in terms of actually being able to buy tickets, the place is totally. And you're sold first out. excited about oh, it. Man, your hands I woke up morning. buzzing this morning. I, I literally woke up and went cross tonight, cross tonight, back in the premier, full house. Like there's nothing beats a full house turn across. Like in terms of atmosphere, I've been to games all over the world, and Hottest I can tell you, ticket in just, town. It is going to be a rocking. And forgive one me now, but what are the what are the odds on Bows? What are the odds on City? I, it's it's a difficult one because City are back in the Premier, and it's hard to see where they are. I I would be a little bit on the pessimistic side for this yeah. season. I think they'd be struggling to stay up. Some but people, a home game though, with a big local crowd, you'd you'd hope. I suppose the thing is, it's it, again, it's about like can the players handle the pressure of a huge occasion in front of the TV cameras? You know, Bows would be more used to those kind of games. Um, you'd hope so, though. God, you'd hope so. If they, I I mean, we always talk. What TV is it on? It's on RT2 tonight. Fantastic. Yeah, so it's going to be showing the cross fully packed, absolutely rocking. And like I say, in terms of Irish soccer, there's, there's nothing. What's beats. capacity? Uh, God, it keeps changing. It was around seven and a half, I think, around seven and a half, eight. But that could change depending on different regulations. Okay, anyway, I know there's 800 Bulls fans coming down as well. Okay. So there's 800 of them and this is going to be 7,000 of us. But um, the only thing I was just going to say was like, if you win the first game in front of a big crowd, then the carry-on for that is huge. So in terms of the, the, the knock-on effect for this game, if City get a result tonight, could be massive. You're playing like UCD at home, who you could beat. You're playing Shells at home, who you could beat after it's that. It's just great to be and talking about that level of soccer on Lee said again, which yeah. is absolutely great. Okay, well, bring it on, says you, and you'll be there with your jersey and sky and hat and cap and all sorts of things but is there a ticket going to begging? I don't know. Uh, certainly a fellow who's got a ticket is Eamon Ryan and he's amongst a whole posse of them heading away for St. Patrick's Day or indeed it's, uh, you know, these trips are three, four and five and a week long but it's very interesting as we're talking about this on the air on Wednesday. Did you know that Eamon Ryan, the leader of the Green Party, member of coalition, his trip for a St. Patrick's Day jollies will exceed a full year's worth of a car emission. They actually break it down in the Independent today. His trip to Singapore, Hong Kong, Beijing and Shanghai equates to a total of four and a half metric tons 
um, of carbon waste um, because of all of the flying that he's doing. I mean, that is hypocrisy at its highest level, isn't it? No matter what we look at it, it's a bit like let the rest of us eat cake. And speaking of eating cake, it's going to get dearer if you're eating it in restaurants or cafes, desserts, starters, main courses, because the 9% VAT rate is going to be axed. And they're livid. It's causing fury, according to the Mail, amongst restaurateurs, publicans and hoteliers. Uh, it'll go from 9 back to 13.5%. And the red tops then drill in to a typical example of that. what that will mean. It will mean that your breakfast roll will go up by 25%. Uh, now, they're not saying that everybody will automatically do it. I mean, it'll vary. But this is a typical example. It's the mirror and the star this morning. Uh, actually, the mirror and the star these days, as, as tabloid newspapers, are pretty much identical. They're owned by the both companies, so same company. So I never know whether I'm reading the, mar- the mirror or the star there. They're so alike, but both of them are talking about uh, it's bacon bad. Um, in fact, they break down the, the price differences in a lot of different food, but uh, the breakfast roll is an example because I was trying to work out what would be a typical price of a breakfast roll on side. The lads were telling me anywhere between a fiver and 5.50. I can remember when it was much less than that, and I suppose it can depend as well on what goes into the breakfast roll. You know, you could have lots of different stuff in there, but might be an idea for you guys to give me some examples of what the price of a breakfast roll is on side anyway. Text 0868104106 and from other things then that uh, not necessarily you put in your mouth but perhaps up your nose. Front page of the examiner this morning it says that uh, Garda operations will be increased in nightclubs and pubs to crack down on people using drugs or dealing in drugs because it seems for many now your pint when you go to the pub is automatically accompanied with some kind of a drug. A lot of the time it's a line of cocaine or indeed it could be a pill. Uh, and uh, this, of course, is fueling crime. It's fueling all sorts of addictions issues. It's fueling murder, assault, and criminality. So there's a connection, according to Simon Harris, between snorting a line or taking a pill and uh, murder, assault, criminality, gangland crime, and also addiction. So it's a front page of making the uh, examiner this morning as to where they're going to find the covert guardie to do these drug checks in pubs. I don't know whether it's just optics or whether they'll be actually able to do anything about it, but there certainly has been an increase in, in, the, uh, in spiking uh, of drinks. Now, you probably might think that's going to happen when society reopened again and colleges got back uh, with people on campus and what have you and the pubs started to fill up again, but the guards are probing more, double the amount of spiking incidents than they were the last years of figures, which would have been 2021. So the Sun this morning says it's Spike Ireland, Spike Ireland, I suppose. And then there's a lot of criminality making the papers. Uh, the papers today have a court report, which is from the uh, Central or the Cork Circuit Criminal Court. And this involves a homemade gun. Apparently, these homemade guns are known as slam bang shotguns, uh, and they're lethal. And uh, it was one of the lethal items found during the search of a house in Rochestown where a shot was discharged by a man when Gardaí were present. Now, we covered it during the incident. It's before the court now. Uh, and it was uh, evidence yesterday at the opening of the sentencing hearing of a father and three sons on various charges arising out of the incident at dinner time on Thursday, April 29th, back in 2021. And then there's also from the courts the story of a young man who drank a bottle of Jägermeister on a hot July afternoon. And I suppose then decided to go for a swim. He jumped into the River Lee. He got into difficulty and had to be rescued by a fire crew. But uh, things got worse because the aggravating 
circumstances of this is that the swimmer who got into difficulty then got aggressive with the paramedics and the fire crew who tried to assist him at Kennedy Key when he was rescued from the river. Um, apparently he was so drunk that he was a danger to himself and others and had threatening and abusive behaviour and that was the reason why he was in court yesterday and that's an interesting court report. Meanwhile, I know I mentioned uh, that there's going to be 100 million euros spent for Cork Roads. Uh, it's a front page you're making the echo again today, the amount of money they're going to spend on city, suburban and county roads. But if you look at the actual stories related to roads in another fashion, if you like, car insurance, they break it down by county as to where you'll pay the highest for car insurance. No idea why. I mean, you would think that it didn't really matter where you were living with regards to the premium you pay. But apparently Longford is the most expensive county in Ireland for car insurance. And when you work out what they're paying on average in County Longford, it's €783 a year. Whereas in Cork, the average insurance premium from car insurance is 579 You're also wondering, where is the cheapest? Apparently Waterford. 549 but we're we're close enough we're close enough to the cheapest in the country not quite there yet I hope to have a chat at some stage to Marie Coleman she's building her own house by direct labour she's doing an awful lot of it herself she actually works for Cork Builders Providers so she knows exactly what she's looking for because as they say she's in the trade she's down in Ballinhasig and she's building a 1700 square foot three bedroom uh, bungalow a dormer bungalow Uh, and she's got a lot of it done already um, and she's flying solo on this one I think it's a great story. The Echo pick up on it this morning. I hope to have a chat with her. Um, if you're a fan of Iceland, it ain't going anywhere. Not the continent, or sorry, not the country, uh, but the store. They've got 27 stores in Ireland uh, and it seems as if staff have been waking up to the news again, informed by text, that they're going to be now working for a new company because Iceland have sold all of their shops in Ireland. But apparently, um, I, I, I can't say as to how much the actual shop or the products will change, but it, because they want to concentrate on their uh, stores in the UK. And talking about concentrating on the UK, um, the story involving the disappearance of um, uh, Nicola Bully continues to dominate the British newspapers, particularly with the information that was released by the police with regards to uh, Nicola Bully, because they've been heavily criticised for revealing that Nicola Bully, age 45, had significant issues with alcohol brought on by the menopause before she disappeared three weeks ago. The family of Nicola Bully have called this appalling and it has fueled even more online speculation and all these amateur sleuths and everybody who's got an opinion as to what happened to her and why it happened to her and that's all happening in the online world uh, and the speculation behind her disappearance now um, and the why theories are spreading like wildfire and that's making the family even more upset. In fact, one of the articles making the UK Times this morning says that the release of this kind of information by the police is nothing short of victim victim blaming. Uh, But on it goes now. It's three weeks ago today since uh, Nicola Bully disappeared and it's still no clearer as to what happened and what was behind it all. Uh, One other thing that's disappearing, and I don't mean to make light of the the Nicola Bully story, but one of the things that's disappearing here in Ireland is uh, Lucky Streak. Uh, will not be returning this year but they're hoping to refresh it apparently sometime in the future but for now the winning streak has come to an end but other things on television that were hugely popular were Happy Valley for instance is a good example so much so now uh, 
um, because people are very inquisitive now about where Happy Valley was filmed, what it was based on. So they're going on their holidays and they're offering three-day tours and five-day tours of the Happy Valley filming area. And it's above in Lancashire in the UK. So there's big interest in that area. Uh, meanwhile, of course, many people are asking the question yet again, why, oh, why is the Banshees of Inishiran being nominated for an outstanding British Film Award at this year's BAFTAs. The Independent is saying, it's an Irish film, isn't it? Or is it a British one? Uh, but Or is it another example of the British me behaving badly, claiming things that aren't theirs, theirs? I mean, Martin McDonough um, is the Irish director. Uh, it's up for Best Film, Best Director, Best Screenplay, Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor and Actress, and... Uh, <laughs> and, oh, by the way, the Best Outstanding British Film... Right, And the Independent is saying, hang on a second, Banshees was set and filmed on the islands off the western coast. The entire cast is Irish. It was written by and directed by McDonough, Irish. It couldn't be more Irish if it tried. But apparently, the way you work out as to where the film is from has nothing to do with any of the I just mentioned. It depends on where the money comes from. So Banshees was funded by Film 4, the British production company Blueprint, and a US company called TGS. And it was distributed and all sorts of things by British companies. And apparently on that basis, it makes it, Brit makes it British. I don't get it, but it'll allow you to work it out for yourself. Anybody got a robo more? Because um, I had one for maybe 10, 12, 13 years. It eventually died. Um, and the parts to replace it were too expensive for the lawnmower, the robomower. So it was retired. And I'm back to pushing the lawnmower. Alan Titchmarsh hates them. He says they drive him nuts. I thought it was fabulous to hear the sound of lawnmowers yesterday. Made me very excited and optimistic about the spring and the summer ahead. It's one of those markers that you set by also the sounds of birds singing, of course, and lengthening days. But he absolutely hates them. He says he's at his calmest and his most serene uh, when he's pushing his lawnmower, giving himself time to think. But the robomores drive him round the bend. I actually disagree with him. I found something really soothing about just sitting back and watching a little robot cutting my grass. I found it very relaxing. <laughs> In a lazy kind of way. I miss it. But there you have it nonetheless. And one final one, and I love you and leave you with the papers. There's one in the uh, UK Times this morning, and I'd say the French are absolutely freaking out. They just can't seem to cut it anymore in international awards for French cheese. They've come in 13th. 13th. The first French cheese that makes it into the awards comes in at 13th. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. It's called Reblouchon. 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 Am I getting there? Reblouchon. Um, it's all Italian cheeses, apparently, that are winning the wars these, these days. Particularly the Parmigiana Reggiana. Number one. French are like demons over it. The Neil Prendeville Show. Gold winner for Interactive Speech Program at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Red FM. Morning all, you can text 0868104106, pick up the phone on 0818104106 and email neil at redfm.ie. We have secured a child's ticket for our texter already. Fair play to Kev. Somebody's texted for the game tonight. Thank you to Jesse from Cork Credit Unions who sponsors the City Academy for texting in. So to that texter this morning that said to me, this is for Niall. Please find a ticket for the cross tonight or I'm in big trouble. A kid's ticket. Hope and pray I will. Now, no name to that, but we've got it. So, oh, now I have the name of the kid. So, uh, sorry, I've got the name of the texter. Is Brian who texted me. So we've sorted out the child's ticket. 
great news. What a great way to start the show with a result. But listen to very serious things. I was talking about stuff this morning where they're talking about uh, covert operations by Angarda Shikona who will be going into um, nightclubs and going into pubs. They say they're doing it already, but they can do an awful lot more to tackle those who are uh, doing coke or taking pills, but primarily cocaine while socialising because it's going from bad to worse. And I was telling you earlier, you talk about the pressure that members of Angarda Shikona are under already, how they're going to find Garda hours to do something like that. I don't know. And then the Independent during the week was talking about the Garda stations without any full-time Garda officers. Uh, there are a lot of issues within Angarda Shikona um, and numbers are down. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, it doesn't seem to be the type of job that people are being attracted into anymore. And I'll drill into the reasons why in a few minutes' time. But Ronan Clogher is the Deputy General Secretary of the AGSI, the Association of Garda Sergeants and Inspectors. And while he won't um, deal or drill into any of the Garda numbers in different divisions, just before I chat with him, uh, and he may want to generally respond to it, I do have statistics that may have in, may interest you with regards to the number of Garda on side. sorry, well, across the city and county, in 2013 versus 2021. And it's quite alarming when you look at the breakdown in 2013, there were 270 Gardaí at Anglesey Street, and that would cover, when I say Anglesey Street now, bear in mind I'm talking about a number of Garda barracks, right? But they would be out of Anglesey Street. So 270 in 2013, there's now 260, a drop. Grana Braher, 2013, 82, there is now 59, a significant drop. Mayfield, uh, 2013, 105, now 95. A drop. Um, Mayfield actually is the only area, and, that, and Toker actually, I should say, Toker, my apologies, is the only where there's an increase from 102 to 151. But the reason that there's an increase in Toker is that Ballancolig, with 42 Gardaí, came in to the city and became part of Toker. So other than that, drops, Anglesey Street a drop, Gronabraha a drop, Mayfield a drop. Um, the county is somewhat different. There's slight increases in the county. Formoy is up. Mallow is up. Middleton is up by six guards. Bandon is down by five. Bantry is up by four guards, for example, and uh, two guards up in Clonakilty. But the city is kind of worrying where you see numbers down. You, If you wanted to take some time to look into the amount of Gardaí that are actually, our, our total guard of strength now is at 14,042. But we're way short of what we need considering the increase in crime and indeed the increase in different types of crime now that the Gardaí have to deal with. Remember now the guards also have to deal with fraud. They also have to deal with lots more domestic issues. They also have to deal with more missing persons. They, they have loads more to do. Unfortunately, a lot of it has to do with time that's been taken up in administration and indeed in, 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 in attending court. But Ronan Clogher joins me by phone. Ronan, good morning and thank you so much for taking the call. Do you, do you want to reference that or is that better left alone? Your call. Uh, good morning, Neil. How are you? Good. Um, yeah, in relation to, listen, that, that this is a common trend across the country uh, in numerous guarded divisions. Numbers are down, as you said, 14,442 uh, uh, is the number. Uh, we've lost guards consecutively over the last number of years. I think 450 guards left the force last year. Um, obviously, there's a big problem with recruitment and retention, which I'll come to in a minute. But in relation to the, the, the Cork, uh, Cork City itself, 
Uh, yes, it is down. I've been speaking to my colleagues there in recent weeks in Cork and in the outlying divisions of uh, Cork East and Cork West. And the big problem in County Cork is the, the lack of frontline Gardaí. Uh, the, every ser- the sergeant inspectors I have been talking to, that's what they tell me. We've no one on the ground, we've no one out on the street giving the frontline service to the public and meeting the community. I look at the county actually, and again, I am drilling into figures. I don't know whether you're comfortable to go into actual areas, but Newmarket has one guard, for instance. Milford has one guard. There are areas of Inishannon has one guard. Timaleague has one guard. Uh, Kalekill has one. Skull has three. Uh, Ross Carberry has one. Um, there's lots and lots of little towns and village areas in West Cork, East Cork and North Cork with one to two guards. Um, it, it's, it's quite alarming um, that you would see numbers that low in rural Ireland, wouldn't you? You could, like, it, it would be impossible to police an area with one guard. Oh, absolutely. And um, I, I know you've called out a lot of figures there and I won't talk about numbers specifically, but really, you know, when you're talking about numbers in certain stations or districts or divisions, you have to factor in what specialist resources are attached to that district. And that could affect your numbers that you have called out there. If a specialist unit was moved to a certain station, that would up, uh, inevitably up the numbers of that. So that's why I, I, I won't comment about specific... Yeah, I know, um, but there was a time in Ireland when not all villages yeah. and all kind of towns had their own guard. Absolutely, like yeah. Rathcormick has no guards at all. You know, that just Absolutely, give, yeah. and that's, that's the problem. It's, it's part of the Carter Reform agenda, and again, it's a problem across the country. With the introduction of the new operating model system, what we're finding is that resources are being centralised. And even if you say that there is one guard in that station, what we are finding is that sometimes he is brought into a, 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 an urban, a more urban area to, to help staff that district. So sometimes then guards aren't even there. Uh, as it stands, you know. Yeah, in, co- in 42 stations across the country, they have no permanent yeah. guard at all, at all. Yeah, the, the, yeah, that absolutely. isn't the case yeah. in Cork, but in other areas. What's the biggest issue? Is it recruitment? Um, well, there are a number of issues. Recruitment and retention are, are the, probably the biggest issues that have faced our, on Gartha Siakana as an organisation in a long time. Um, you know, we've talked about the, the reduction in numbers there. The government sanctioned uh, for 800 new entrants into Templemore last year. 2022, they got 120. Why? They've now sanctioned, uh, because the job is not attractive now anymore, Neil. Uh, and that, that is for a number of reasons. Um, I, I, I'll just finish on the last sure. point first. Sure. They've sanctioned 1,000 uh, for 2023, and us, uh, the AGSI and association, would be very sceptical that we will get anywhere near that number. The reason is that Angarda Shukana is simply not attractive anymore. Historically, the guards was a good job. Um, and it was paid reasonably well. Uh, there was a good pension, um, you know, and they had no problem uh, getting some of the brightest and the bestest uh, in the country to, to join the guards and, and see it as a career. The pay, um, you know, hasn't kept up with uh, modern society. Um, Ireland now has changed. Um, there's, there's more people have more opportunities now, and people just don't see it as um, the pay as attractive. Uh, the pensions is another big issue as well, uh, specific, especially since 2013. But there are other reasons. So in the sense that the old days when these were good jobs that paid well enjoyable jobs, fulfilling jobs with a good pension at the end of the pension is dropped. The pension was a, was a very was, was, was a very big factor in people joining on Gather Shikana. It was seen as I, I, I will do my service and I will have my pension. You know, and, 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 and you know, that was, that was a, a, a very important factor. But that pension is now gone and it's been drastically reduced. 
So that is not there. And, and the pay is very average as we stand at the moment compared to other employments. So on Gather Shea Corner, the terms and conditions have not kept up to speed and they have not matched uh, what is a competitive market uh, jobs economy now. Mm. There are uh, other big issues though, Neil, um, as well, um, uh, particularly within on Gather Shea Corner. Um, there's a, a major factor is uh, social media um, and members being filmed, consistently being filmed, no matter where, where they go. Um, and phones are, are stuck in their face. They're recorded and this is then being uploaded onto social media often out of context with clips being edited and uh, you know members have been made a mockery of I suppose um, on social media. Has that escalated recently do you think very much with regards to the different protests that are going on? No, that is, that 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 is a, has been a problem now, and we have been highlighting that for a number of years. That that is not a recent, that is not a recent. Having uh, mobile phones now. stuck in their face and then shared on social media. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If, a, if a guard goes out to do uh, uh, everyday duty like a checkpoint, the phone comes out the car window. I'm recording you. I'm recording you. And well, you know, uh, uh, then clips are edited, and this is a big issue for our members, and they're taken out of context. And a member do- comes in and he, he he does his day's work, and he goes home to his family, and next thing he's getting phone calls from his neighbours or his friends or other family members saying you're all over social media look at this look at this and that is putting significant uh, stress and pressure on our members and it's also putting stress and pressure on our members families and their friends and neighbours as well and just, that is a big big factor just on that point though you give an example of somebody whipping their phone out at a checkpoint um, and mm-hmm. starting I'm filming you should a law not be passed where that phone could be seized well, uh, we have asked the government uh, to, to. But what we really need here is we we really need social media companies to engage here. That if a clip is put up, that it can be taken down immediately, and that, that that's really what we want. I I, I would probably would be difficult to pass laws in relation to, in, in in relation to seizing the phone. Well, if, I don't uh, know about that. Would it, I mean you're the expert? Would it not be kind of threatening yeah. behaviour though? Well, it's not threatening. On occasion, it is threatening, and specifically when members are being assaulted or sometimes members are spat at, yes. But when a person is, when you have a phone, when a person is there with not, uh, doing threatening behaviour but has a phone in your face all the time and um, that, that is very difficult and it's a very difficult working environment and then all the and young really people are really seeing this might be considering as a career path and they're saying nah that's not for me absolutely that's that's, that's, me. that is what's happening is these clips are being uploaded on social media and young people are seeing that and they're looking at pay and, and conditions and they're going no way I'm not doing that and they're looking at the abuse guards get and guards getting uh, shouted at in their face and spat at in their face and, and, and another I, I, I I was listening to um, uh, a media show the other day and I heard a comment from an individual and I think it's very good that guards, guards today, specifically young guards, when they go out um, to instance, they're now afraid to react because uh, another big issue is the oversight and over-regulation of Angada Shea Connor. Um, and now guards are, are basically going to instance and they're, and, and they're saying, how do, I, how, how do I not get in trouble here? And that's, that's what it's coming to. And there's also a huge issue as well, Neil, with um, administration, um, over overburden of administration within Agadashi. You're talking about uh, paperwork and court appearances? Paperwork, yes. This is coming about with the reform agenda and um, a large number of new initiatives, uh, you'll be aware, under a policing service for future have been brought in in recent times. And, uh, you know, they, they simply are not creating efficiencies. Um, I'm just coming off a circuit of AGMs around the country and every branch 
expansion of the country I've been met with. These new systems are not working. And what we will be calling for is for an immediate stop of, of the implementation of these new systems and a full review because they simply are not working. Guards are spending more time at their desks instead of out on the street meeting the community. And that's where guards want to be. Mm. They want to be out on the street doing the community policing and meeting, meeting, meet, meeting people and, and, you know, and helping their communities as best they can. And a lot of the membership is afraid that we are losing our core, our core ethos, uh, you know, for the force to be a community force. And we want the best calibre, don't we? Because we're dealing with, a lot of the time, very intricate crime. I was referencing the explosions here, for instance, in cybercrime. Very specialist areas where we need the best of talent, right? Absolutely, and, and this, the, the, this talent needs to be supported. And, and that leads to the other big issue, which is the retention of, of, of staff. Neil, we have a huge problem as well with the retention of staff. 109 resignations last year. Now, that, that, is, no, that is no small, small fact. That is very, very serious for Ingarda Shia And that has never, ever happened before, and that should not be overlooked. But we are also, uh, a very worrying trend is developing that we are losing um, members now in mid-service in Ingarda who are going to other sections of the public sector or they're going to the private sector. And, and that is a big, a big problem. So it's not just thing. natural retirement at, at, at your 30 years or whatever, it's earlier no, than that. We had 109 resignations last year and that number should be treated very seriously. That is hugely significant. That has never, ever happened before. And young people are coming into the job and um, they're seeing the, the paperwork and they're seeing the pressure and the stress created by all the overburden of administration and uh, they're, they're rec- realising that God, this isn't, this isn't uh, the career that I wanted and, and, and they're leaving. And we also have the additional fact now where we're people in mid-service leaving and going to other industries uh, with more attractive terms and okay. conditions. Are they disillusioned by sentencing, for instance, Particularly, again, this week now, another court case, which I can't go into in any amount of detail, where, say, for instance, uh, you know, the Gardaí were spat at, for instance. But, but just sentencing in general, where they, they put an awful lot of time and effort into you know, chasing down criminals, getting them to court, and it results in suspended sentences. Oh, um, absolutely. And particularly in relation to assaults on guards, Neil. Um, and we have seen that on a number of occasions of suspended the sentences. And what we are seeking, have been seeking for some time now, is mandatory sentences particularly for assaults on Gardaí and other emergency service workers such as nurses um, and the fire brigade um, and all frontline services. There should be um, mandatory sentencing specifically for assaults there. But they, Tim, where are we at with the body cameras now? Are, are, they, are they in or will they be in? Or is, is it being trialled or, or what? Body-worn well, cameras? Well, the minister has indicated that um, in, in recent weeks that he's bringing up before government fairly shortly. Um, you know, we have been seeking this for a number of years now um, and if it is legislation is passed in the, in, the, in the next month or two, I think it is, uh, they expect that the Commissioner will um, pilot, um, um, do a pilot project on it before the end of the year. Now, will, will, it, will that be enough, do you think? Or is it a step not it, far it, it will go some way. It will, in relation to the abuse of members, it will go some way. Um, it definitely will, it will protect members and it will protect members against frivolous and false complaints. Uh, as well, which is a, a big issue um, as well. But is that it, it where somebody will say, I'm going to report you to GSOC? Is that, 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 that kind yes, of threat? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That is a big... Does uh, that impact the, on, the, on, the, on the career then, or is that disciplinary worries for a guard? Absolutely. At the moment, yes. With the current new promotion systems, yes, it is a big, big problem. So it is, yes. But, okay, so cameras is some way. Should they go further? I mean, you know, we'll be looking at tasers, for instance, maybe? 
Well, well uh, um, tasers, uh, t- t- we have certain units with tasers. There is obviously not enough of them and they're not, the, we, we need to have a better geographical spread of, of uh, certain Gardaí armed with tasers. At present, our association is not calling for every guard to be armed with tasers. But uh, we, we, we definitely need sufficient cover and enough Gardaí armed that they would be able to get to incidents quick enough, um, where, you know, with, with, with non-lethal weapons such as tasers. Okay. Do you have any thoughts as to why there seems to have been, just, just finally, why there seems to have been a breakdown in respect among certain cohorts from Garda Shikana. I, I'm not sure. It's a, it's 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 that's a society in general, I suppose. Um, we haven't dealt with uh, bad behaviour has not been dealt with sufficiently, and that's uh, that goes back to the mandatory sentences again. When people see they can get away uh, with assaulting guards. Um, you know, we have a big problem. Okay. And that, that, okay. You know. okay. So, in 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 a nutshell, then um, we we certainly need more Gardaí. Without a doubt, we do. We need them better equipped. Um, and we need the job to be more attractive to them financially, amongst other ways. What what would make it right? Like, what what would turn this around? Where you know, I, I hear now that, say, for instance, Gardaí no longer would recommend to other people to follow them into this career path. How can you change that? Well, absolutely, and that's very unfortunate because the guards and, and members of the guards Shikon are very proud, and they're very proud of their organisation. And it's very unfortunate that it has come to this at this stage. But the the, the key issues that need to be addressed are the pay and the pensions um, immediately. Um, the body-worn cameras need to be expedited even by the end of the year is too late and mandatory sentencing for guards. We have also have another big issue um, ongoing at the moment within the guards is the, the uncertainty surrounding rosters and, and, and that needs to be addressed as soon as possible as well. That is a key priority. Yeah, I think the starting rate for a first point um, on the guard to pay scale is 30 grand, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I would also suggest that um, the, 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 the current reform agenda, that needs to be stopped immediately and, and it needs to be fully reviewed because it is not working. And it, it, it is the, the administration burden coming out, but it, it is simply, um, you know, it's not sustainable. Yeah, how could it be sustainable? Even when you hear Simon Harris this morning saying we're sending covert guardie, undercover guardie into pubs and nightclubs around Ireland to track down people taking cocaine. How are they going to do that? I mean, think about it. Well, the, the guards aren't on the front line at the moment. Um, the, there's another issue, I suppose, is that sometimes we, we, we're robbing Peter to pay Paul That's and Gardy from certain certain sections. Um, really, we need the, the if you do not have recruitment, um, you cannot solve any of the other problems. Yeah. We need recruitment has to be addressed immediately. Yeah, yeah. And one of the ways to do that is uh, decent pay and decent starting pay. Thank you, Ronan. Thanks for taking the call. Thank you, Neil. Appreciate it. Ronan Clahar, Deputy General Secretary of the Association of Garda Sergeants and Inspectors. I hope this conversation will give some insight uh, for all of us as to how difficult it is to be a member of Ungarda Shikana. I think there are others besides Ungarda Shikana who get an awful lot of grief these days and, you know, the work is hard and the admin is shocking and the pay isn't great and you could say the same say about the fire brigade you could probably definitely the same about the army and indeed the navy paramedics have their work cut out of course we know all of the situation that exists within health but i've often said it we need to have a society that has more respect from our members of for our members of Angarda Shikona. Your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868104106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. Meanwhile, it's Friday, so it's a free food Friday, courtesy of ourselves in Roosters, Perry Perry, Douglas, and Blackpool Retail Park. So this will feed 15 to 20 of you. You get a huge swag of food. You really and truly do starters, main courses, and a big massive cheesecake. Um, and you do all your own toppings on the cheesecakes. I'll tell you all about the food a little later on. But for 
now you need to text who you are and where you are to 086 8104 and we'll do the first bunch of shout outs just after 10 this morning text 086 WhatsApp as well 086 8104 if you want to be in with the chance of winning free food Friday this Friday and it'll be delivered hot and tasty um, by Red Patrollers from Roosters, Perry, Perry, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So first shout out after 10 this morning. Yesterday, a big response to the state of the city, not just dereliction, but those that are using it and indeed those that are now afraid to use it. I'm mad keen to get the perspective from somebody who was down in Cork yesterday, actually listening to the radio show yesterday while visiting Cork for two nights. And that's Nula. Nula, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And you said, listening to uh, the radio show while shopping, visiting Cork for two nights, fancy offices on one side, homeless people on the other side. Talk about two extremes. Tell us about your visit. When did you arrive? Um, on Wednesday. I normally stay with a sister in McCroom, but we decided to do the city for once. Where were you coming from? Um, well, I'm from Fermanagh, but we were coming from Leash. Coming from Leash to the city. Yeah. Now, you also sent me some photographs, but just give me, as somebody who came in from another county, give me your thoughts on what you witnessed and saw. Well, as the, as the evening went on, I noticed a lot of activity going on at a certain building, and I began to wonder, I wonder what's going on there, because you have juries on one side, you have the clarion on the other side, and uh, the car park's in the middle, and it became it became to around half ten eleven. All these people were staggering, uh, queuing at a kind of a gate to get into maybe if they got a bed at eleven, because I uh, three children we have a family room, so they were keeping me abreast of what was going on. So you were staying people. in the Clarion, is it? Yes, and the Clayton. The Clayton. The Clayton. Yeah, sorry, the Clayton. Yeah. And your yeah. bedroom was looking down to the Simon community. Yes, yes. And I'm actually walking around the pier at the moment. And as where, where you'd go into the car park, there's somebody lying there with a white quilt over them and a walking frame, you know, like a rollator. Um, it's a woman. But um, what I was thinking is, um, like, I know I've seen the two Norries on the TV a lot and all of well, the great work they're supposed to be doing and they turned their lives around. But is there... What these people need is recovery beds. They're staggering back every night. We were watching fights going on, fist fights, um, staggering into the road. Um, like, it's just, like, un- unbelievable. Mm. And, like, here mm. I am walking around here this morning because I wanted silence to take your call. Yes. And you're weary you're being clocked now because you're, you're hanging around a wee bit too much. Would you, do you feel you're being watched? A wee bit, make, make you a little bit nervous, a little bit. But it's it's more sorrow, I feel, like, sort of hopelessness. You're here in this lovely hotel and you look out the window to such... Right on, on Lapsky, on of course. That's the that's the, yeah. the Clayton that was the clarion right on, on Lapsky. And you, you, you say yeah. you saw zombies fighting and roaring. They're your, they're your words. Well, the, can a zombie like the way they'd come back, um, the way the bodies were shaking and... Um, Rouse. Um, some men passed out and nobody doing anything about it. Um, three slept on the concrete last night. Three didn't get in. Um, just don't know. It's frightening. It's frightening. There must be somewhere. There must be rehabs around. And is that alien? To, is that is there is is there is that alien to you uh, from say it's from not, Anna used, and Leash? No, because I used to work in. Um, Coon Murra in a tie in Kildare. That's why you know you'd bring the bring these people in and 
it's a kind of a long process to get them well. Sending down guards is never the answer because they've already sabotaged the, you know, their own lives mm. in ruins almost. Mm. Mm. Uh, as in, as in prosecuting them and jailing them actually doesn't actually do anything to help them. No, no, it's yeah. kind of the mindset has to change in addiction. But and, I suppose what you're yeah. seeing really is life in a, in a big city as opposed to a rural town or village, isn't that right? It's scaled up, you it see. Is, it is, but I know there's homeless in every city. I know that, because I've been in a few. But it's just, it would sort of, as you come in this break and these lovely plush offices and beautiful pier and then you see it just at the back and it's just kind of a, a feeling of sadness that's a, sadness a big that's a big area that's going through huge regentrification and uh, extensions and refurbs and buildings you've got an awful lot of uh, big fancy office blocks down there and that's the comparison oh, well, what, you're making isn't it well what about what about regenerating the people these yeah, people yeah, yeah. like these buildings are all lovely I can see that but I know you were sort of saying yesterday in the show about childhood trauma I was listening to that you know these can't these people can't blame that forever. Yeah, I know they can't, but they're in the grips of very serious addiction. That I think if any of them could yeah. rewind the clock back, wouldn't have taken yeah, that turn. Is turn. there rehabs in Cork City? Is there sort of a large one or not, what, not, nothing huge? There are kind of day walk-in centres where people can get get a bit of help, and there's you know Arbor House, and there's Tabor Lodge, and there's Coonvera. Uh, there's a treatment centre. Um, up the, the yeah. county, and there's things, and then there's there's methadone, there's methadone given out in in pharmacies and yeah. clinics and things like that. You know, so here their accents, they are court people. They're talking about an injection centre here where people can literally walk up and walk in and sit down and safely take their drugs. Are you aware of that? Mm-hmm. I heard of them, heard of them, but yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, it's just that, um, yeah, it's just you leave with a sort of bittersweet feeling about the city. Did, 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 did this Simon from your bedroom window, you said, was like cattle queuing, was it? And it was actually queuing human. Queuing at the gate, yeah. Many, many passed out, many fighting, many urinating, um, some left, some handed sleeping bags, some got in, because um, you'd hear a lot of shouting and that, and one's trying to jump the queue, and God, at night sometimes it can be 20, 25. And I suppose we're, we're also looking at it through the eyes of a visitor to the city. Do you think that other visitors, like your good self, would be shocked at what they would see? They might be. They might be. See, I, I do work in mental health as it is, but others could be, yes. or They probably don't look out as much as I do. But when you work in mental health, do you not see a connection between youth and family and upbringing and also then growing up and having no real... You know, skills to you be do, able to you navigate. Do, yes. You see what I mean? That's what they're yes. saying. If, if 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 you have a bad upbringing, and you have bad parenting, yeah. or you are in a home with addiction issues or violence or what have you, you're scarred for life. Yeah, but sometimes those people that would get into the proper and good rehabs would really turn their lives around. You know, and do the sometimes the steps as they call them. They worked on a person's core beliefs. Oh no! I, I know! I know! I know when yeah. the, I know when rehab can be can be sought yes. and found that it can help. But but before that, and there clearly isn't enough. Just like Simon hasn't enough beds, you know. That's why you're seeing people yeah. on our streets. They're so yes. far gone. It's very sad. Yes, but the, yeah, yeah. It's just that this la- lady here sitting beside a walking frame. Probably if somebody woke her up and said, "Listen, I'll take you to a rehab," she probably would go. But. The world doesn't work like that. I, I don't know where that would be, to be quite honest with you. I'm open to information or help from people who are listening. But um, 
Thanks for your observations, Nula, on your stay on Lee side the last couple of nights. Appreciate it. Okay, yes, court people are so friendly. I'll say that, you know. Well, at least, at least we have yeah. that, the friendliness of Cork people. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. you taking the call. Right. Thanks, Nula. Take okay. care. Uh, another person is saying, West Cork Connect bus goes from Anderson's Quay. So if you're heading down west as a visitor, you're in the middle of all of that fighting, uh, urinating and trouble. Uh, text 0868104106. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text in WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Cork's Red FM. Morning all, please read this out. We stopped giving addicts money. In our opinion, it enables them. Why does an addict keep using if they know they can manipulate? Why does an addict keep using? Well, they do because they know they can manipulate people to get more money. It keeps their addiction going. We have stopped contributing. Love the show. Uh, the caller on the air about all drug users having trauma was hilarious. Does he at all account for people that just love being in the drug culture and actually enjoy taking drugs? He's one of these people that's never held people to account for their own actions. And always people say, like him, that X or Y has been let down by the system. Dara asking, where is personal responsibility? As some people really need to be educated about addiction and the far-reaching personal and social consequences. Wouldn't it be nice? A nice exercise to have figures from the courts on the levels of serious crime committed by people who do not have addictions um, and have roofs over their heads and come from a home where there are decent parents present. Some people are just destined to be scumbags, regardless of their background, you see. I personally know people who fell into addiction through excess rather than any kind of trauma. People from all walks of life. Some people phoning in need education more than most. Again, it's the story that we had yesterday as to whether all sorts of problems with regards to addictions or overuse and homelessness and indeed heavy addiction is based on childhood trauma or not. A lot of people wouldn't necessarily agree with that. And I was trying to make that point yesterday that that cannot account for everything. I was in town with my friends in December. I was jumped by, it says here, I was jumped by eight black teenagers. Again, the colour of the teenagers seems to be important. I was robbed and my hand was broken. It was unprovoked and I was after drink. I'm 30 and I was on my own. The guards did nothing about it. Not racist, but if it was eight white lads jumping a black guy, they would all be locked up. City's a joke. I haven't gone out since this incident. They are a known group and are doing it all of the time. Um, they have one white girl with them to create a fake rape scenario in order to get someone involved. This happened to two other people I know and a lady's son at my local shop also got jumped. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106 and we'll pick it up after 10. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. I'll do the first batch of Free Food Friday shoutouts in about 5 or 6 minutes time. Courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So text who you are and where you are to 086-8104-106. And a little later on this morning if you're fans of the Water Boys I'll chat with Mike Scott from the Water Boys they play Live at the Marquee on June 18th a lot of Water Boys fans on Side will play a couple of Water Boys songs tickets for that gig go on sale Monday at 10am from Ticketmaster so another addition to the Live at the Marquee lineup. Uh, this summertime, which is great. Lots of texts and emails and different topics. I'm conscious of people's time, though, so I'm joined by Ian by phone. Ian, good morning. 
Morning, uh, while, I'm good, my man. While we're not talking yeah. about, in your case, JD Sport, we were talking yeah. yesterday and the day before about their security policy with staff, amongst yeah. other things, pulling up their tops so that they're showing bare navel skin. This is part of the security policy at JD Sport, and the staff are very upset about it. But anyway, talk to me about yeah. your own time in retail. Oh, you know, my old time in retail was based on just going to shorty uh, team JD Sports. I don't, I don't really agree with what they're doing. JD Sport lifting up the tops and so forth. But from from a, a manager's point of view, because I managed in in retail for for quite a long time, is based on your objectives from board management down, which is all uh, regarding to shrinkage and stock loss. Shrinkage is what? Is that theft? Is it? It is, is theft. So we'll say, for instance, if you get if you if you have a store and you've got ten apples, and we'll say, for instance, in five days you sold five apples, but by the end of the week you only have one apple left. Something happened to four of them. Where's the other four something, gone? Something's have to happen to the four. So you have to again. Shrinkage is taken into effect that that you are allowed a certain amount of shrinkage. So we we'll say, for instance, if you have, we'll say, quarter of a million euros worth of stock in your store. When you do a three-month stock take or a six-month stock take or a nine-month stock take, it's a case of your shrinkage is based on how much is actually lost by from one period to another. Now, from my experiences of sitting in, in a shrinkage meeting, and I can tell you, Neil, it's, very, it's a very frightening experience to sit there with 12 people around you trying to explain shrinkage and shrinkage loss and where it's coming from. It's based on, it could be, it could be staff theft, and I've, I've experienced theft, staff theft. It could be people coming and robbing stuff. It could be from warehouse management. It could be, there's a list of... of so it might be, it mightn't even be on the floor. It could have been when it the stock came in to... Could it be exactly, yeah. exactly. So but, but how can it be customers if the alarm does do the alarms not go off? No, no, see, what happens is, is they, they test the alarms for somebody. From my experience, is that some days uh, we, we, we say people will try and test the alarms, they've got foiled bags, you can use um, helmets to basically put stuff in. People come in with little suitcases, larger bags, foil bags. Uh, they've got a metal detector so they can actually detag the stuff themselves. So there's, there's, there's multiple of things yeah, that yeah. people try to basically uh, try to take from the store. The reason uh, that I'd say with GD, GD, G, JD, JD Sport yeah. Is, yeah, is, is what they're trying to do from, from my experiences is that the store management and, and the board are looking at how, how they can prevent a uh, store theft and uh, like I was saying to you, like sitting down at a board meeting and having to discuss where store theft is, you have to basically put it in the concept of how, how to basically track it, how to look at it, how to maintain it, and how to basically uh, reduce your, your, your theft. But talk a little, yeah, I, and I understand that, because it's a yeah. business, and it's there to make a profit, of course, exactly. not to be robbed. Like, but like, like, how much... Yeah, go on. Yeah. No, I give you a perfect example. Like even when it comes to stationery, like we, we used to do a lot in, in the stationery as well. Because what would happen is is that every part of your business is is, is costing you money. So even from the electricity to the stationery to the waste to the bins, and I've seen I've seen from your staff members putting rubbish in their bins in, in, in company bins, which which is which is more cost. Like even when you come home from work, you might bring home three biros in your top pocket by accident. Is that, <laughs> is that theft, though? If I take a if I take a pen but, from Red FM by mistake, you, which yeah, I regularly like, do, am I a thief? But, but you see, what what you're doing, you see, is you're making a Red FM more costly because they're they're putting more money into their stationery. No, I know, no, it's a bit trickle and it's it's a, it's a it's a long way down it. But I'm not saying that you're robbing the pen. But over time, the amount of pens that they have to buy and the pressure that's put on the business. And believe me, when you, what I'm trying to say is, if you if you go to a board meeting, you're sitting there. 
we twinkled over your head and then missing we'll say thirty to forty thousand euros. You're trying to put a, a plan or an action plan in place how to reduce it from the from the from the previous year. Oh I understand. I and, and, and I understand yeah. that uh, so, and I also so get the fact that there probably yeah. is thieving in non retail businesses too. I, I get that. I think, exactly, you know, people exactly. are walking out with so, all sorts of things. But exactly but, but but how prevalent is staff theft? I mean, have you come across it in the years oh, in I, Yeah, I, yeah, I've come across it, and I've come across uh, staff trying to basically post um, items out of the actual store where they were basically robbing stuff. So, when 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 you were doing bag checks or car checks or locker checks or or physical checks or then turning them out their pockets and so forth like that, as as they're leaving, you're you're, you're doing those procedures based on your loss prevention manager and the book of operations that come with the actual business. So it's, it's all there in black and white and it's contracted and it's signed and you have an understanding and the loss prevention manager visits your store, audits your store and everything is, is taken. So how are they, if you're going through those checks yeah. uh, and, and JD Sports, it involves lifting their top to show their stomach area, yeah. rolling up their trouser legs and sleeves, rolling their socks down, then how are they getting anything out of the shop? But you see, they're not. And that's that's basically what it is. So it's one checkpoint that that they're basically doing. That the staff, like like I've worked with with all my staff for from three three years, and I've trusted my staff every single every single one of them. But previously, when I used to manage inside in Patrick Street, we did have members of the staff, and it was a frightening experience of where they were basically posting the product out of the store. So what they were doing is we had a post box, and we used to put all the posts. We used to this is back in the day when we used to do all the catalogs, and we used to post everything out, but. The post, uh, we randomly saw the same addresses that, that seemed to be coming up. So we used to, we used to check the post and basically it was little letters put in the post to say, look, take this. And she was posting the stuff out to her, out to her family members. And we, you know, she was disciplined and she was, um, and she was let go by the loss prevention manager. Yeah. Now yeah. We, had, we had other incidences where, where staff theft came from. No, I'm not going to give anybody any ideas or anything like that, where you get duplicate of receipts. So basically what would happen is you come up to the till point, the, 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 the sales advisor would be basically selling you, selling a product to the customer. And what you should do is you should give a customer the <coughs> original receipt. Right. <coughs> Sorry. Okay. But what happened then is the sales would print up two receipts. One would be a duplicate. One would be a, an original. The original would be kept by the, the customer. Customer goes out with the receipt and the product that's purchased. What happens then? No, but the, the the customer would go out with the with the product with a duplicate receipt. Yeah. Yeah. And the sales advisor would hold on to a, an original receipt. Right. So what would happen then is over a week or two weeks, they'll do a refund based on the original receipt. So they had the original receipt, you see. Oh my God! Yeah, but then, of course, that's going to show up then because the item's not back but, in stock. But you see, that's when it comes to your stock takes. So when it comes to your stock takes, and when it comes to your shrinkage, and it comes to looking at your cameras and monitoring your cameras and doing your weekly checks, then these are the procedures that you should have in place that you will come across these things. And if you, unfortunately, if you're not doing it, then you're going to have risk factors that yeah. your shrinkage yeah. is going to be a lot less. And yeah. again, unfortunately, it is managers objectives at the start of the year to keep their, their shrinkage reduced. And then on the hindsight, when we were down in Mahan Point training, we had a skill nets program based on security that the company paid for, and it gave the, the staff members a, a big insight into security, theft security, staff security, and it, it benefited from. So from, from what I'm trying to say is, is that if JD Sports, instead of interacting all these procedures on top of the staff in JD Sports, is sit down and do a training program with them, show them the benefits of the security, the benefits of the business. Like, security and theft keeps your business alive because the less stuff that's being missed and robbed and, and 
it's been taken from your store. Your, your business is going to. But how do staff better. feel about being? They're not physically searched. There's no laying on hands. But how do they no, no, feel no, about it? Do they say, "Okay, this I is say, part of"? The- yeah, but again, like, like saying that, like most of that they came across wouldn't come in with with lunch boxes, or they don't come in with bags. So, like you have you have your you have your locker, your locker's put into in your locker. But saying like even even if they robbed money from the till, so at the end of the day, like you're not going to be searching their purses or searching their their wallets and so forth. So, 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 lifting lifting up their top is based on product loss. So, JD Sport must must have identified either in England or Ireland is that stock is being is being lost or is being taken from the store due to product loss. But it must they must have traded stock. The loss prevention manager must pinpoints it down to a stock loss removed from a store or a couple of stores. So, but but lifting up your top to show body parts. uh, I mean. Your well, name's area. Know, it's, no, no, I, I've never done. I've never done body checks. No, I've never lifted. I've never lifted tops or stuff like that. Like in no, the they don't lift it. The, it's the, the person themselves lifts up their top, um, and, yeah, well, and they're I, saying well, that it's I've, very embarrassing. Yeah. It's young staff, and they're embarrassed by it. Yeah. No. Again, it's, it's the female. Then there should be a female and a male there. But again, unfortunately, as I was listening yesterday, if it's, if it's contracted and it's written into the contracts and it's signed by them, and it's read by them, and I presume their parents have read it, or their friends have read it, then they should have a, a, an understanding is that that's the procedure that, that's put in place. Like, mm-hmm. like inside our place, we had locker checks, we had uh, we had the right to go and check their car if we felt it necessary to do that. Um, oh like, my God, uh, man, that's just OTT to me. Like, that's, that really is, that really is like a, a climate of mistrust. Yeah, it's it, but but you see, unfortunately, if you've got a, a business that's losing X amount of money in, in shrinkage, and that then that business isn't going to stay. No, on but the but, 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 but searching somebody's car would that be because there's a suspicion, or it would be just a random car check? Could be a random car check. Oh, uh, for God's sake, man, that's crazy. This me, I, I, this me, I totally agree with you. I, I, I've never had to do it myself. I've never had, because our product that we had in our store was so big that you really couldn't see anybody carrying it out the door. And they basically put it into the car door. And like every girl or every boy that was leaving our place um, rarely had a bag. So they, they, they just kind of came in, did their four to six hour shift, and then they kind of left. Right? And the understanding that we had is that we had a, a training program put in place uh, for security, for, for, for theft. And they all understood it. You know? So it wasn't a case of the. Uh, but I have come across in years of, of manager, managers robbing, uh, staff robbing. And it's it's a very scary experience when you're sitting down and you're disciplining and you're showing people footage on camera exactly what they're doing. Even with the receipts point when we were doing the receipts there with the with one with one staff member. It's a very frightening experience when you're sitting down and you're trying to explain it to them and they could have other problems along the way at home that they needed the they're money. They're watching to. themselves being caught on camera. Yeah. yeah. But you see, that's 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 the thing, Joanne. And, okay. and you know from from my point, from the manager's point of view, I, I can understand where JD Sports are going through, but again, from their company point of view, what they're trying to do is they're trying to they're trying to keep their 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 shrinkage down. So that means then, like we just say, for instance, if it comes to pay rise time, so if you go to your company for a pay rise in the next two three years and you say, look, I love a pay rise. At the moment, we can't give you a pay rise because we're pay, we're pay freezing because our shrinkage is so low. We're actually making absolutely no money because we're making we say four million a year. Due to all the rents and all the costs, we're losing X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. and then we're losing another fifty grand in shrinkage. Just okay, no, I get if, it. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. our shrinkage, if our shrinkage, say, was a, was fifty grand less, then we would be in a position to give you a pay rise. And like, like we were in work, we had a pay freeze for for ten years because certain stores in the business their shrinkage was was just so bad. 
This was so bad. And you don't think that was and, an and excuse that was being used? Do you, do you really no, believe no, no. that was, was No, no, we were part because we were basically to go to the stock takes and see it and there, there, some of the numbers were, 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 were very, very frightening. And, te- and tell me, just before yeah. I let you go, uh, no, was no. there ever any cases where staff members were harvesting people's credit cards or debit card? Because we often hear about that, holding on to numbers or... Or pin no, numbers no, or I, I, no, I, I, I've never cards. come across that. Yeah, I've never come across that. No, to be honest. Okay. But right. um, my okay. point was, I just said that I'd, I'd ring on on the guy's desk. You know, I, I I personally didn't come across body checks or anything like that, though. But when it comes to the actual security themselves, uh, just make sure that they're reading the contracts. They understand it from a business point of view. What they're trying to do is they're trying to protect their business to make life better for their staff members to give them the the privileges of pay raises and so forth like that because they are, they are bad. Staff, the staff in these shops are very badly paid anyway without being um, looked at suspiciously before, you know, before they've actually done anything wrong you know what I mean yeah, yeah. They, they wouldn't be but I remember I remember just jumping on something I remember that Lucas said that there a couple of, not to Lucas said that the, the, the security ad where the old woman comes into the shop and then another fellow comes in and the shop assistant follows the other fellow while the old woman robs the till do you remember that ad I do I do. I don't yeah. see. I don't see so, the significance of it in this conversation. Forgive me, but no, I remember that. I don't either. But the whole point is that it's just based on just protecting their businesses. That's yeah. all JD Sports are trying to do. Are all they right. doing the right and wrong? It, it's a huge debate that that you can have on the phone. From my experiences, is that um, believe me, when these store managers get their 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 objectives for the year, shrinkage is 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 huge. All right. It's a Thanks, huge Ian. Part of any business. Thanks, right. my friend. Have a good weekend. Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Rooster. Piri Piri Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park so the main event uh, well firstly the starters chicken wings chicken skewers and beef skewers and then the main event includes chicken wraps chicken pitas and beef burgers you got the famous uh, Piri Piri sauce they throw in the Piri salted fries rice and waffle fries it will feed between 15 to 20 of you with Piri mayo and garlic mayo and then cheesecake with all of the different toppings, you can build your own cheesecake. Uh, that's courtesy of Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. Morning to everybody at Blarney Veterinary Clinic. My kitty cat's been treated there. She was really sick and they took the best care of her. Uh, Donsworth Office Supplies at uh, Forge Hill. Country Farm Supplies in Middleton, keeping the farming community going. They're flat out. Uh, everybody at uh, PFH in Little Island. Rockwell Engineering in Claheen, especially Owen, the gang at Twilight News, Patrick Street, Paul Street and the bus station. Argos in Maham Point are listening. Joe Crowley Oils, GRP Roofing Supplies on the Tremor Road. For uh, Shane Long's 30th birthday today from everybody at Dennehy's Health and Fitness, Penrose Dock. Shipping Solutions, morning to Andrea and all of the staff. Ross Oils and Fernand, Pat McDonald's Paints on the Commons Road. The Wild Goose, Cope Transport in Montanotti. Morning to Sean, Noel, Jenny, Eileen and Jim. Blarney Business Parker listening. Little Hands Child Care Redemption Road, Blackpool. Sheehan's Plumbers, they're always hungry, laying pipes outdoor at the moment in dirty, damp, cold day. Cold? Today ain't cold, guys. <laughs> well, it's easy for me to say. I'm not outdoors laying pipes. Smurfit Kappa, or should I say Smurfit Kappa, unique fit out in Glanmire, easy living interiors, the hair factory in Douglas, Harrington's Pharmacy in Ballancolic, Scannells in Ballanine, John Buckley Sports, Barry Joyce Cole, Striker, particularly clean room too, too, the eye clinic at the CUH, and we'll do more shout outs in half an hour, so text who you are and where you are to 0868 104 106. <laughs> Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Corks Red FM. Yeah, you better believe it. Linda, good morning. 
Hi, good morning, Neil. How's it going? I'm just fucking trying to find the post. A buddy of mine, Mark Mullen, sent me some videos uh, the day before yeah. yesterday. It involved his brother, Tez. He's the man with the van in McCroom, who I believe moved all of your aid from Cork to Dublin in his van. And Mark Mullen sent me a fabulous video of everything that you got and boxed up so they can get out to Turkey to help the Turkish appeal. Your husband, Bekchat's Turkish, isn't he? And that's the background. Absolutely, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's yeah, ama- it's yeah. amazing. Like here, here's some here's some of the audio that he sent me. We've transported this from Cork, and uh, we're now in the logistics Jenkinsons, uh, where all the boxes are being put onto pallets, all labelled with their different uh, in, different acquisitions inside. There's the bus man. And uh, there's the boss, boss man. The real boss man. And inside there is, we're nearly finished. We have most of the boxes out. Only a few to go. And then we head back to Cork. And I have a strange feeling that this won't be the last load. And uh, that load involves boxes and boxes and boxes of aid. What's in them? Yeah, it was 82 boxes in total we ended up with. Um, so we prioritised the blankets, which I was just following the protocol, you know, on yeah. the Turkish Embassy page. It must be 15 or um, 20 pallets of boxes. They're huge boxes. Yeah. Was that all so in your we, house? They were all inside my front room. My front room was like a warehouse. <laughs> what? It was just something that, you know, my husband just felt so happy. Need an airport hanger for that stuff. Yeah, and you know, like it was nappies, baby food, women's personal hygiene, men's also, um, clothing for baby, small babies, toddlers, young girls, teens, boys, ladies, men. Um, we had kind of said, you know, we needed new stuff or stuff that was as good as new. Like there was nothing that these people didn't deserve, only the right stuff. You as know? you called it, the really top stuff. But you put yeah. on, a, on an appeal um, and, who, and who responded? Everyone. I, honest to God, I just could not get over the kindness and the generosity of the people that are just on my Facebook page, you know, like I, I wasn't, this kind of thing has kind of snowballed a bit. Uh, we were just toward me, people that woke up and saw this devastation and my husband was kind of up to 90 a bit. And I thought, okay, calm down, like check your own family first and thank God they're all safe. But there was other people that we did know living in like the Deerbacker and stuff, places like this yeah. that... Haven't yeah. been so lucky, you know. It's an incredible so, amount of aid that you gathered with the generosity of Cork people. It really is. They're great. Yeah. Well, Cork, it's, Cork people are great in general, aren't they? So, yeah. oh, um, blankets, you know, so, nappies, medical supplies, hygiene products yeah. for men and women, things that they really yeah. need because they, they're not gone back indoors. Even buildings that are fine, they won't go indoors for fear of another fall. Absolutely. And bizarrely, yeah. they're still, even all these days later, Although I'd say there's not much hope now, but they're still taking people alive from rubble. They are still taking people now alive, yeah. Um, I was just saying there one while ago that uh, my husband was on the phone to home last night. He lives in, his, his family are from a place called Mardin in Jerich in, in kind of eastern Turkey, very 40 minutes from the Syrian border as a drive. Like, so um, they, like they've just told us last night that a family has arrived there with nothing. And the people in the village now are just trying and to very cold. look after these people. And yeah. it's very cold, isn't it? Well, it's all freezing, of it, yeah. all of it's in Dublin. It'll be coordinated now with the Turkish Embassy and Turkish Airlines, and all yeah. of your aid will be all sent on its way. 
the children, it feels great, you know, to know that these people are going to get what they need, first of all, you know, and it's for us at home as well here, the fact that we're not out there to help, so um, we're going to just keep going now as much as we can to just kind of help help people. Really, are you, you continuing know? then? Are you still asking for help and appealing to people? So um, I suppose um, at the moment now what we're kind of like, we don't, we now know that, that they're not accepting boxes of aid anymore for now, but they are looking, they're really kind of, you know, prioritising cash donations to get them into Turkey so that they can kind of on the ground. So we're kind of deep, like we have found an organisation ourselves out there. Well, Beck has kind of looked into it um, and they're called ABAP. Um, and they deal with people on the ground, you know. They've already supplied containers for these people, but they're probably a little bit more warmer than tents. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, we're going hoping to organise some coffee mornings, and uh, I'm not going to do that for my front room now, Neil, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm hoping people I think will... a GA hall or a community hall or a hotel yeah. or something would be better. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, like, this is all very new to me as well, so, like, because I, I really have never kind of done anything like this. And how can people so, get in touch with you if they want to help? Um, I suppose just my phone number, really. You know, I can, that's all I can do. At the is that the 087138 number? Yeah, it is. Me, yeah. Can I give that out? You can, absolutely, you can. Linda, yeah. if there's any help you need to push anything, will you come back to me and let me know? Oh, absolutely, 100% need. All right, regards to you and to Beck as well. Mind yourselves and well Thank done. Thank you. It's incredible, we well Thanks done. So Linda Akbat, uh, married to Beck Chat, is on 087-138-3745. 087-138-3745. Call or text her if you feel you can help. Do you remember I was talking, uh, I think it was, was it, I think it was probably last week at this stage, about the big bake sale. It was Friday this time last week. Huge, massive bake sale that was going on down in East Cork. Alex? Yes, hi. Um, just, just, just remind us again. It was the it was the school kids down Coveway, wasn't it? Yes, uh, there were there, there are a couple of schools in Cove. Uh, the one that did the first bake sale was Colostomira. Uh So the um, uh, principal, Mr. O'Brien, organized it with me and with my daughter, and we made sure uh, he actually delivered. Uh, the pro- um, proceeds from the bake sale to the family himself. I saw 1, some of the photographs and yeah. videos. Can we can we share those photographs and videos? Please do. My God, you they're know, delicious. The cakes. <laughs> yes, uh, a lady that has a bakery, uh, Raspberry Meadow. She has donated crates and crates and crates and crates. But then we had another uh, bake sale for Valentine's at the St. Mary's Girls School. Uh, the proceeds were one thousand eight hundred. So oh, amazing. Lane delivered it herself. And I also have sent you videos of the people in Syria that received the aid from Kolb saying this, this video of children telling you, thank you, Irish people. Have a listen. Can I just play a little clip of that? Who are we hearing here saying thank you? Uh, th- those are three children that were uh, that are saying thank you school. I know that the accent is very heavy. But this is a video that school. was sent from Syria to say thank you to the kids and the people of Cove. Have a, have a listen to this. Thank you, school. Thank you, Scott. Thank, Thank you, Scott. Isn't that the loveliest thing? <laughs> <laughs> so they are so cute. If you see, I also sent you pictures how they bought uh, food, like um, a rice and things, and then separated in little bags to give it to I see that. They the sent family. you back photographs of yes. bags and bags and bags of naan bread or what looks like flattened unleavened bread yes. in Syria. Yes. They're equivalent to what we would eat, I suppose. Literally food, staple food, one of the staples, bread. 
And I want to, if you uh, zoom in onto the picture, it tells you, thank you, Irish people, for donation. I just, you know, um, the world forgot about Syria. I know yeah. the lady that was yeah. on, on online just before me, she did it for uh, Turkey, and God bless her, and they definitely need help. But people in Syria, the world seems to kind of have forgotten about them a little bit. But we didn't. Irish don't. Irish don't forget. You know, we always help the underdog. Haven't you, you got know, a Syrian so, family in Cove, I think, has new lost six yeah. members in the earthquake, isn't that right? And there's 11, um, there was, there's, when we spoke, there was, there was 11 of them still missing, I think. 22 now. 22 now. Yes. So, and they're still in the rubble. I mean, look, they're 22 missing. 22 missing. Gonna, yes, they're not going to be found because they have absolutely so no... So one family existence. member could have up to, an extended family could have 22 deaths. Yes. There, there is a video that where I showed you um, a lady was, uh, you know, she's alive and her three kids, but the husband died in the rubble. So that is a brother of Mr. Bakur that lives here in Cove. Oh, the so, family um, from Syria, yeah, in Cove. Yes. Yeah. And um, Betty Lynch has a container of nappies and non-perishables going this weekend, I think, from East Cork, isn't that she right? Does. And I think she that there's, um, there's a big family fun day set up as well with bouncy castles. And I think Lidl are giving you the hot dogs and burgers, right? Yes, there is a manager in Lidl in Cove. Her name is Violetta. Uh, she always donates, but this time she decided to donate a lot of burgers and hot dogs and buns and cakes. So there's going to be a raffle. Uh, people are, uh, you know, my, my, my house it looks like a big Musgrave, you know, <laughs> building. So, when, yes. when is the it's, big family day? Uh, they're, they're shooting for, uh, uh, for uh, middle of March. And it's going to be at the Ramblers uh, Stadium, oh, Ramblers. Um, which is yeah, right across the street from my house. So um, it, it will be great. Um, you know, it's going to be a big family affair with lots of raffles, and people can come in okay. and you know so donate or buy. You or come back to me when we're a little closer to that, and we'll give it a push. All right. Oh, yes. And oh, I just wanted to mention one thing. You know, when I was on the radio last week with you, um, my cosmetician out of all the people, her name is. Stefania from Bella Beauty, she heard me on the radio and wired 300 euro for me to give to the family. I delivered it to the family. Unbelievable. Thank you so much. You what's know, a, what's a cosmetician? Forgive me. Oh, she's, she's the lady that, 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 that fixes your face. I, I need a lot of fixing, Niall. What can I tell you? you know? <laughs> she's the lady that does your makeup, is it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, she does like, um, you know, <laughs> eyebrows and things like that. The now I understand. Things. Now I understand. We all need a bit of pampering. Well done to her for the 300 euro. Stay in yeah. touch then for the family day and we'll give it a good blast in early March, all right? Thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. All right, girl, mind yourself. Everyone. Well done all to right. everybody in East Cork. Thanks, Alex, particularly in Cove. Back after the break, text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. Ex-member of Ungarda Shikana says, I'm an ex-member of Ungarda Shikana. I completed the college training. I spent three years on active duty. Now, this email is following up my conversation just after nine with the Association of Garda Sergeants and Inspectors. You may have heard it out of the nine o'clock news. Uh, this ex-member says, multiple issues exist now in the job. We know the paperwork is never ending. New systems implemented that actually create even more work. These systems populate more jobs because you now must tick to show everything you've done. It's like a questionnaire for every single investigation. 
just as an example. Each station is different to the next, which they should not be. They have their way of doing things in different Garda stations. A small example would be a theft. Each station is different how they deal with this. And that's a massive problem. If it's not streamlined in one station, for example, say as an example of that, you go to a call of a theft. You download any physical CCTV. You take statements of complaints from the shop manager, any staff member that's needed. You get receipts for the stolen items. You get their value of the items taken. You arrest a suspect. You bring them to a guard station. Take photographs, fingerprints, DNA of the suspect. Then they may want a solicitor. You must wait for them. Then you have to interview them. This, let me tell you, could be for the theft of a hairbrush from the likes of pennies. These shops always wish to process to the full extent of the law, no matter the value of the theft. So you go through this process every single time. Then you must do up a charge sheet for this person to go before the court. All in all, at least three hours work minimum. But in some stations where it's busier, they can streamline this. Uh, When at the store with the suspect, a guard can get out their notebook, ask a few questions, submit that as evidence from the notebook. It's called a voluntary caution statement. It means there that the suspect is waiving their right to a solicitor and voluntarily answering questions on the spot so they're not brought and processed in a station. But they must admit to their crime there and then. So that kind of can streamline things. You're expected to do this all day, but rarely, if ever, given enough time to actually do the paperwork. It is sheer secretarial work. When you faced with this amount of processing day in, day out, you could have 30, 40, 50 investigations on the go at one time. What happens when you see this this much work? Well, you want to turn a blind eye, make crimes look less serious, or go out and get a handy arrest that's less serious a crime and drag this out until your day's work is over. So you have examples where they'd rather arrest a drunk person, um, put him in detention for six hours, issue a ticket. It's very easy to deal with those arrests. It's the bread and butter stuff. So that's just an observation from an ex-member of Vanguardia Shikona. And, and what's not lost on me is that this member who got in touch with me completed the college training went on active duty, spent three years in the Gardaí, and then left. Text 0868104106 on that one, and lots more besides. And of course, a lot of this has to come with, uh, with to do with, uh, you know, people being afraid to come into the city for lots of different reasons. I was in there last week, half past ten in the morning, parked in Paul Street, walked outside the door of the shopping centre, and it was hit straight away. Uh, the texter calls people winos, three winos and a beggar, begging for money. I couldn't get past them. Now, to go down a different side street, the place looks woeful, to be honest. And that is another one. Um, and there's many more than talking about uh, the city centre. It's been unsafe now since at least 2019. So I don't know why you pick on 2019 as if something significant happened that year. But the city centre is totally run down, like, the, like that open air car park, you, which, as you can see, is in a terrible state. But there are places then where it's like Dubai uh, it's up to city council and the prison system to solve. I'm trying to work out that text. I think it's probably the an example of a city with affluence and poverty and drug issues all in the same area. 
uh, it seems way more people are harassing you for money now than before. They're also roaring at each other and openly shooting up in public. It's starting to look and feel a lot more like the Dublin Keys. It's a shame, but I don't think there's much of a solution. Um, Childhood trauma presents in many different ways, Neil. I suffered childhood trauma because my father was an alcoholic. But if you met me or knew me or my family, you would find that hard to believe. A lot of yesterday was spent talking about issues that people are suffering now as adults being traced back to childhood trauma. Uh, what about the elderly people who can't go into the city centre anymore? Spike Island should be refurbed and every drug addict moved there for treatment. Feed them and help them, but get them off drugs. There's always an underlying problem with drug users, even down to the fact of hanging out with the wrong group of friends and just trying to fit in. Uh, I believe there is a lot of trauma, sexual, physical and mental abuse. There are a lot of children out there today parenting their own parents. That's interesting, isn't it? Parenting their own parents. Open up injection centres, legalise drugs. Give big sentences for drug dealers. They're laughing in our faces, people, and clearly getting away with shorter sentences are not caught at all. The reason they don't get caught is they have kids running around the streets with drugs who are coming themselves from damaged homes. Um, I know, even reading out that text shows the futility of it all. Where are the guards in the city? It's the lawyers, the barristers and the judges uh, that are funding their professions with free legal aid. I think everybody is entitled to a defence, aren't they? Uh, and on top of that, then, there's quite an amount of text which I'll come down back to with regards to uh, security checks at work. And this all started with JD Sports. I want to go back to the phone lines, though, if you don't mind, because, you know, you should never, ever, ever, ever give up hope. I mean, never. Lawrence, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I was reading the story, and, and I must admit to being not a great pet, touchy-feely, doggy, catty kind of person myself, right? But I was blown away by your one with regards to Nacho the cat. What happened? Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I, I love cats myself uh, and dogs, but I'm not really an obsessive uh, cat owner or dog owner either. The rest, uh, of my, the rest of my family are. They would spend the day taking photographs of dogs and cats and comparing <laughs> dogs. And I, I, I don't know. Maybe I just lack that gene, but... Nacho's your pride and joy. So Nacho went missing, right? Nacho went missing. So we've had Nacho for about six and a half years. Um, and uh, just before um, uh, Christmas, so at the end of November, uh, we had to bring him to the vet because he's a big cat. He likes to go out and he likes to basically steal food off neighbouring cats and that. And he got in a fight and he had a massive abscess on his paw. So we had to get that seen to by the vet. And uh, we're in Ballincollig, but our vet is in Toker, uh, Gilabi Vets there. And as I was taking him out of the car, um, he was in a big plastic cat cage, but he's such a strong, big cat, he managed to actually crack um, the cage. What's the, so the, what's the cage made out of? Uh, it, it was a proper plastic um, uh, cage. Now, one of the clips was a bit uh, dodgy on it, but he actually managed to break the, the, the plastic itself. There must have been some crack in the plastic that he just forced open, um, but he, he basically came out. The, so he did a runner then, did he? He did, a, yeah. He did a runner. Uh, there were uh, lots of people from the veterinary surgery, and that all came out trying to look for him. Uh, but yeah, he was uh, he was gone uh, within seconds. We didn't know where he went. So you spent all uh, things like eight hours that day trying to find him, right? Yeah. So shortly after you tracked the wrong cat. Yeah, about twenty minutes later, uh, we we saw a cat in a neighbouring car park. So we all started. <laughs> Uh, chasing that cat. Now the cat looked slightly different, but I thought, you know, he's just you know fight or flight, and um, it's a ginger cat on the loose. It's it, it surely, you know, it's him. It didn't even 
dawn on me that it might not be him. He looks very, very like him. So you um, spend eight hours harassing somebody else's cat? <laughs> pretty much. Now, it, it turns out that that cat is a uh, well-known cat in the Connolly Park area. Um, and everybody thinks that it's the same cat, but there are actually two almost identical cats there uh, who just go around basically stealing people's food. Um, and uh, I, I still searched the area because I was getting so many calls. I was getting so many calls from the area and there's always a chance because it's so close, it could still be our cat because he looks exactly like it. So I spent a lot of time in the Connolly Park area and I must say the people of Connolly Park are just unbelievable. They uh, opened up my eyes to what a, a community um, can be like. Uh, that close to the city, it was it was lovely. Okay, so now now you realise that that cat isn't Nacho the cat, so you have to take time off work, <laughs> launch a social <laughs> yeah. media campaign, and go around sticking up posters, right? Yeah, because there was there was added <laughs> complexity, right? Firstly, he was easiest to identify because he had a limp and he was a big ginger cat, right? But Ginger Cat walks with a limp answers <laughs> to the name of Lucky. <laughs> in, in the fight or flight, I didn't know if, you know, the adrenaline would make him just walk on the paw if people would see the limp. But the biggest problem is that... He, Keep an he eye did, out for a limping cat. I, I couldn't walk around the streets of Cork calling a deaf cat because there's no point, you know. Is, you had to see him. Is he, so it, is he deaf? <laughs> Uh, he's deaf, yeah, he's deaf. He was um, when we when we got him, we realised very early he was. You deaf. never told me um, he was he's a deaf cat yeah, with a limp. <laughs> yeah, a deaf cat with a limp, um, and because when, when we found him, we brought him to the vet. He he was carrying injuries. They told us he was deaf as well, um, and uh, it was it was a calamity of uh, of issues from the get go. Uh, but ultimately, so he had he had a scar when we got him. He, we found him as a kitten at the Cork Kerry County Bounds. <laughs> Um, he had a scar on his lips, so it's from his nostril right what down. What do you mean you found it on this? When well, you were driving to Killarney and he was on the side of the road, is it? We were driving back towards Cork, yeah, and he was at the side of the road. We were doing the, the speed limit, you know, 100 kilometres an hour, and it was the, the middle of summer, and everything was kind of amber, and there he was in the middle of the, just at the side of the road, tiny little kitten, only a few weeks old. I slammed on the brakes, and my wife gave out to me. She didn't know what I was doing. I said, there's a cat, there's a cat. So I came in. He was only the size of my hand. Um, and he was he was absolutely starving. He was thirsty, uh, and there isn't a house in sight there. So it's probably he was a, it's probably a, a mammy bandit. cat on the county bounds trying to find her little boy. <laughs> he robbed was, her little boy. It was it was as quiet as could be. There was no traffic or anything. I couldn't hear any other cats, and there was no house for miles. So uh, okay. we, we had to do something. Okay. We couldn't just leave him there. So but you, ultimately, so you the, decided there would be a target area within, say, like like like. Like the TV crime shows, we'd have a, we'd set up a perimeter, cordon off an area around the crime scene, like two kilometres of the Galabi vet, was it? Yeah, that's basically how the social media campaign went. Um, so I, that's how you can, you know, you can target certain areas. But I put up posters and uh, I knocked on doors and I went into every shop and Christian and um, I'd say people were sick of the sight of me. Yeah, because uh, well, now we have a, a CSI investigation underway, like we hear of a cat scene investigation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and people got very invested in the story. There were people who were calling me every day, sending me messages, and uh, they were, you know, doing doing the good work as well, uh, spreading the message around. So uh, it, it was it, it's such a great little community there that sometimes I'd knock on the next door, and they'd say, "Oh, so and so has already told me thanks." <laughs> so so then uh, you did launch it on social media, and for those that don't know it, you can promote the post by spending money uh, to get more prevalence on social media. You spent 300 euro on that. 
And that yeah. resulted then in um, tracking down five different cats around Balafihan, Toker and Wilton, even on the north side, over months. Yeah. But none of them yeah. were Nacho. None of them, so they were, they were close. The pictures looked like him and everything looked like him. So to the point where I, I went and tracked down the cat or went to the person who, ha- who had the cat. Uh, and yeah, every time um, it, was, it was the same kind of letdown. So, it just wasn't him. Yeah, um, but did it, did it matter? Not, like, why didn't you just take one of them? Like, you'd have got a cat without a limp and it wouldn't have been deaf. It's, there are so many cats looking for homes. Uh, if that was the case, I would just uh, have adopted the cat the, the same day. We'd have got a better model, though, a more modern one with all working parts. <laughs> I, it wouldn't be the same for the kids. Nacho was just developing a relationship with our uh, our eldest, who's six, okay. and he was he was sleeping on his bed okay. every night, uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, he was gone. Uh, I, I needed to get Nacho okay. back, especially okay. in the circumstances, because okay. he was t- 10 kilometres away from home when he escaped the cage. If he just ran away from home, it wouldn't have been as serious an issue at all. And of course, it's the worst time of the year. I get that. It was cold and it was, it was wet and it was damp and nights were freezing with the cold. But I think cats are resilient beasts. But at the same time then, you were getting prank calls, I think. Is that right? I did get a few prank calls. Like, the, you know, kids kind of, you know, they get bored and we got, I got some calls. But I actually got some calls that from, uh, you know, adults or at least late teenagers um, where, you know, they started off all serious and then, you know, after a while you'd hear the giggling in the background. That was very disheartening. That's annoying, isn't it? Yeah, it was, it was very bad. But at the same time, it, you know, uh, it, was, it was worth it because of all the good calls and all the good intentions uh, that most people had. Okay, so you put up an, a reward then. Let's throw some money at this. And you put up a 500 euro reward. So what's the time scale now uh, from the 28th of November when he went missing to when you put up the reward? Yeah, so I had kind of four big waves of the social media. One was like the next day, the next one was a week after, the next one was two weeks after, and then it was like uh, a month after or so, um, and that's when the when the reward went up. Um, and uh, it was kind of a, a last-ditch effort just to see, you know, uh, maybe it'll just get people talking and just rejuvenate it. Money I'm talks, sure. baby, money talks. Uh, and I'm sure people were getting sick of me sharing. Okay, so it's all across November, December... January, second week of February, Valentine's Day. What happens? Yeah, so I, I'd still been, I'd, like in fairness, I was still getting, you know, two or three calls a week. Um, and uh, Valentine's Day, <laughs> I got a call and it was the, the, the typical call. Like, it's just, it's Groundhog Day. Um, someone says, you know, they're all excited. I think I have your cat. They're in my back garden. They've been living here for a day or two. Um, and then, usually, you know, I just ask them, do you have a smartphone? Can you take a picture, please? Can you try to get a picture? Why don't you just, there was Sharon, why don't you ask her, is he, is he deaf? Uh, well, she said he's uh, she, he's definitely deaf and he has a loud meow. Um, so that's How'd she know that? Was she trying to call him or something? Because he's he's very kind of, uh, he's, a, he's a little bit shifty when he sees something out of the corner of his eyes. Uh, and she has two cats. Uh, that were really, really nice cats. Uh, so she's she's quite familiar with them. One of them was astray as well. Uh, so I'd say she, she tried to get his attention and all that, but uh, probably couldn't speak what, deaf. What, yeah, and, and I know that you, you would compensate if you lose the ability with regards to one of your senses with the other. You, you know, sight becomes more important. But what's the business of the loud meow? Is he kind of got more of a roar than a meow or what? So he, poor Nacho has no idea how loud he meows. So he always meows at the top of his voice. So if he's at the back door, our house is at our, our 
bedroom is at the front of the house, but even if he's at the back of the house and he meows, it wakes us up. Um, he's just he, he just has no idea how loud he is. So she sends you photos and you get weak. Yeah, I got photo and I completely, you know, after all this time and going through that routine, this was this was different <laughs> because that was one hundred. She sent me six or seven photos. The first one straight away, he was looking squared into the camera. <laughs> I knew it was him because when we when we found him when he was a kitten, he had a massive split from his nostril down to his mouth, and it it, it was a, a a big scar. It's it, like it heals no further. So he's very recognisable. This cat has been through the wars, right? So uh, it's Nacho. Um, your fear then, of course, is that he might do a runner, is it? Oh, sure. We, uh, he's, uh, yeah, constantly doing runners. But uh, um, he's, he's kind of, when, when he was young, because he was deaf, we didn't know whether to leave him out or keep him inside. But he just wanted to be outside. So we started leaving him outside, supervised. And eventually he just, he comes and goes as he pleases. Yeah, but you're afraid he's going to do a runner from Sharon. So somebody needs to get a kind of tuna or salmon or sardines yeah, or yeah. something. So he had been hanging around there for three days. Um, and that's when she went on social media and found uh, my posters everywhere. Uh, so he was already friendly with her cats and he was already st- kind of staying around there. She was feeding him as well. So, of course, I, dro- I, I, I dropped everything. I went to show my wife the photo. She was like, oh, my God, that's natural. So I, I grabbed a can of tuna and a can opener and I, I went there. I didn't even have her address right. yet. Hold that, hold that thought, will you? I want to finish this conversation properly just after 11, all right? Sure. The emotional reunion. I think this is about 11 weeks later, am I right? That's, that's correct. All right. Back after 11, Lawrence. Thank you. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show Okay, some more Free Food Friday shoutouts because it is Free Food Friday courtesy of ourselves and Roosters Piri Piri Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park I'll do the next bunch of shoutouts in a few minutes time and also uh, chat with Mike Scott from the Waterboys because they have just been announced as being an addition to the lineup for Live with the Marquee but I need I need to get back to Lawrence for the life and times and the reunification of Nacho the Cat so now you're in the car I suppose is it speeding to Sharon's house, am I right? I, I, I guess I might have broken the speed limit once. <laughs> and have you got a can of tuna with you? I have a can of tuna and a can opener and uh, hopes and dreams. So when you get there, what happens? So I got there and she let me straight in. She said, he's in the back garden now. So I, I went to the back door and I saw him and straight away... I knew it was him. He he was just looking for food. He didn't really expect to see me, I guess. Um, but then uh, she said, as soon as I opened the door and he saw me, his behaviour changed. He was still very, you know, very standoffish and very kind of scared. You see, that's a, this is the thing about cats and me. If that was a dog, the dog would have run to you and been delighted to see you, wagging the tail, jumping up and down. Cats are completely <laughs> indifferent. I, I love dogs, but I don't think the dog would have survived two and a half months. Good point. Yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah, but, but, you know, cats are resilient. So, uh, did you have a cage this time? No, I, I purposely didn't bring a cage because of the, the trauma of the last time. Um, and I thought that if I can just rub him, I can pick him up, and I can get him to the car. Uh, and as long as he's in the car, I can get him home. So, he's easy to... 
He's easy to catch. Like he's a, he's got a limp. He's not going to outrun you. His 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 paws. Not, and if you come up behind him, he won't be able to hear you creeping up on him. Either. So that that's actually funny because like we've a lot of dogs in this state where we are as well, and he's he's as deaf as can be, and he'd be sitting on the footpath, and a dog, a big dog, an Alsatian or something, will come running at him, absolutely making loads of noise and everything, but he can't the cat can't see him, so. The dog, as the dog gets closer, the dog starts slowing up and thinking, what's, what's with this cat? They must, be, they must be very tough if they're not even moving. So the dog starts sniffing. And then, sure, of course, as soon as he feels the nose sniffing, the cat turns around and gets an awful fright. And then the dog goes running the other way. And then <laughs> Best line of defense is just do nothing. <laughs> yeah, so it, it has its advantages. Um, but uh, I was able to, um, I, he, he recognized me. I was able to rub him. And I, I was luckily able to uh, pick him up, and I, I was in a flood of tears. Sharon was in a flood of tears. Um, it was. Lars, uh, get a grip of yourself. You're a grown man. <laughs> I, I know it's, it's okay, and I had many, many sleepless nights, and I've absolutely no shame in it. All right, but what kind of what kind of shape was he in? Like after eleven weeks on the run, was he more bashed and battered than he had been? <laughs> he he didn't have any scars or uh, any. No, any new scars? You mean? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, and he knew scars. Uh, he was he was dirty. His his uh, fur was very kind of waxy. Um, uh, so he was just yeah, he was just a bit dirty. Um, but he, he lost a bit of weight. Now he had a bit of weight to lose. Uh, so that's all right. That that was some, one saving grace. But I think uh, he he got very good at begging for food. You lost him again though. <laughs> <laughs> so everything. You lost him by the time great. you got him home again. Uh, I, I I brought him. I was bringing him home. I was. Uh, I, I gathered my composure again. He had found a little corner in the boot of the car, um, and he went to sleep there within seconds of getting in the car. Uh, so I'd say the smells and everything were familiar to him. So he was fine. He was in the car. I was getting him home. I was finally getting my closure on uh, a, a horrible couple of months. Closure. So, <laughs> so I got it. Got got to the door here, and uh, I couldn't reach him in the boot. So I opened the boot, and sure enough, off he went. He was gone. Um, he went up up one of the neighbours' walls, and I just I don't I didn't have a clue where he went. And it was at that stage then that you broke down crying. No, no, this, this was fine. I knew that he was he was in his territory. He spent a lot of time outside. Uh, even bad nights, he <laughs> wouldn't mind being outside. He has a bed in the shower. And you're not. You you were the nightmare that this eleven week ordeal was far from over, and it was going to go on for another few months. I, I thought, you know what, I thought, because I, I thought Sharon was a lovely woman, I thought he might have thought the same and said, or bring me back to Bally Shahan. <laughs> so I, I thought he was gone, gone. Um, and uh, he was gone for six hours before I saw him again. Then, <laughs> so, so I managed to lose him at home as well. <laughs> but then you broke down crying. <laughs> so then we were having dinner and I had left a plate of food out, I'm sure I was checking the, checking the plate, plate of food every couple of minutes to see if there was a cat there um, but it was getting dark so the outside lights they uh, triggered and I looked out and sure enough there he was we hadn't told the kids yet because the kids had been you know asking for him and missing him and all that so I we lifted up a kid each my wife and myself and we said guys we've great news Nacho's back happy and ending so, happy ending we were, there were absolute floods of tears then missing Cork City large male ginger tabby limping Injured front paw, Identif- identifiable scars on nose and lip, deaf, will not react to sound, very, <laughs> very loud meow when hungry. 
<laughs> if I saw that sign, I think it was a wind-up. Saying the man's lost a lion or something. The odds were stacked against him, in fairness. Yeah. I, I, I had no idea how many people were actually following the whole story, though. Because afterwards, when, when I, I shared the news that he was found and everything, I was getting phone calls. I was being tagged in posts on social media from people who I'd never met in my life and they were celebrating <laughs> that Nacho was found and I didn't know that he had, he had such a following. you got to be call of the week to me, pal, because... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not even a pet type person. So those that are must be really delighted with the unification, reunification. I'm going to have to organise a side prize from Rooster's Piri Piri for the family. An extra feed of food um, for the... Let me see if I can get this right. The Dussozwa family, is that right? Very good attempt, Dusaswa. Dusaswa family. How many of you yeah. are there? There are four of us, two adults, okay. two kids and two cats. <laughs> well, I don't know if we can get something for roosters for the two cats. So there's, okay, there's Nacho and who's the other one? Splat is the other one. I suppose Splat is blind. Uh, no. Splat three feet, is, uh, three legs? Splat is pretty normal. No, she's, she's, uh, she's pretty okay. okay. For God's sake, look after them, will you? I will do I'll try my best there's a little tiny side story to this I hear people send you stuff for nothing do they oh who's, who's been whispering a little bird tells me you're a sim racing content creator influencer does that mean that you play uh, car games online or something is it that's pretty much exactly it it's, it's kind of more into the simulation side than the gaming side but for all intents and purposes and I tell my friends it's just a computer game uh, it's just the, the game controllers that we use can be very expensive uh, so we've got steering wheels pedals gear, sh- gear shifters full on seats I'd love to live in your world man I really would oh, well, I think it sounds like a very happy sounds like a very happy place to me <laughs> sure you have to make the most of it <laughs> Lawrence, I'm absolutely... Del- can, we share, can we share some photographs? Of course you can. Of, uh, na- why, why Nacho? Has he, got a, has he got a fondness for nachos? If we send him a bag uh, of them... Just pretty much his colour. He has a kind of a... Do you know those, those, uh, uh, those uh, orange Doritos? They're very, very orange. They're the ones that stain orange. your hands and your clothes and everything. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So he's, he's that kind of dark colour... Uh, so we said it was uh, it was a fitting name for him. Okay. How many weeks was that then? Eleven in total, was it? Eleven weeks. Yeah, the twenty eighth of November till the fourteenth of February. Okay. So he had a hard old winter. Wouldn't it be great for no, no, I shouldn't say that. Wouldn't it be great fun if you went missing again? We'd get another great laugh out of it. But that's probably not I, kind. <laughs> I'd say. I'd say now he'd uh, he'd probably be recognised straight away. <laughs> Very famous cat. Okay, listen, an extra an extra offering of Free Food Friday. I'm going to give you call of the week this week. Fair play to you, Lawrence. Thanks for sharing, pal. Look after yourself. Thank you so much. Good luck. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Okay, I want to get to WhatsApp because there's a gang of uh, young students who are over in Paris. You wouldn't believe it, but there is a group of students from a performing arts school in Cork that will be on the main stage at Disneyland Paris tomorrow. Tomorrow, uh, Aileen Coffey's Academy is out there. It's a fabulous honour, but boy, I tell you, they must have put in an awful lot of practice and hard work. Aileen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. Congratulations to you and indeed all of the students. You're in your hotel, I believe, right? We literally just landed. We just got to the hotel and we've eager students now waiting to go and get to the park straight away. How many? Uh, there's 44 of us in total here. Oh my God! So what? What oh, are, yeah. are you you're doing? A, you're doing a 20 minute version or rendition of Lion King at Disneyland Paris. Is is that pretty much it? 
That's it, exactly. So basically, we auditioned actually back in 2020 and we were due to go. We were successful and accepted and we were due to go back in 2020. And two weeks just before we were due to go, everything shut down like the whole world did. So we couldn't go because of COVID. And then we had to wait three years, but we were finally accepted again. And here we are now ready to go. And basically, um, we were picked to perform on the main stage, um, 20 minute piece. And we decided to go with the Lion King and the theme. What age group are we talking about now when we talk uh, 40, 44 of them? So my youngest is 11 and then we actually have some college students that came back. So even one of the girls, she's up in um, Galway University and she was due to go in the original troupe. So she came back and, and joined the team to go. And actually some of our staff, um, some of our younger teachers are dancing in the troupe as well. So 11 right up into 25. So how will this work now? This will be a dance routine using tracks from the movie or from the musical, I should Listen. say? Yeah, both. Yeah. So basically we kind of did like a synopsis of the whole story and we, we start from the beginning of the whole of The Lion King right up into the end. And we chose songs from the movie and from the musical and like we showcase the different characters and tell the story story through dance. Um, this is incredible. You must have beat, beat off an awful, an awful lot of stiff competition to win this opportunity. <laughs> um, the main stage means there's going to be an awful lot of people watching. Is that the case? Do they put this on every night at Disneyland Paris? Um, I think it's it's certain times of the year, you know, that um, they, they put the showcase on, but there'll be a huge audience. I know there's another couple of schools from, from the UK and from other countries there as well performing. So, like, it'll be great for our kids to see others and they'll see us. And, like, it's it's huge. It's huge. And the kids are buzzing and they're so buzzing. excited. They're actually all, they're, all, they're, all around me, they're all around me right now sitting here. We'll get a, good, go, we'll get a good shout out of them in a second, I hope. But <laughs> I hope also that they'll get an opportunity to enjoy the park. I mean, they're going to stay around and do the whole Disneyland thing, are they? Literally, yeah, we just got here now, so, and then we head off and we're going straight to the park and they have the full day in the park and then we come back tonight, we're in the hotel, then we're in first thing in the morning, nine o'clock for our dress rehearsal, they have the whole day in the park tomorrow and then back in again Sunday and we don't get collected until six o'clock and then we fly back into Dublin. Miss, miss, so will you ever finish gone. that radio phone call and let us get to Disneyland for God's sake? Because <laughs> they come As one back. girl just said to me, she said, Neil, come on, I have to get on the Terror Terror. <laughs> <laughs> I won't hold you up then. I know you're coming back though from all of this, hitting the ground running with rehearsals for the musical Red Riding Hood, I hear. Yes, so half of my intermediates now, my 11-year-olds to 15-year-olds, um, we go into the Quark Arts Theatre Monday for our tech rehearsal and then we have a two-day sold-out show for Red Riding Hood, our musical. Oh, so they've been non-stop, flying. even all week they've literally been in rehearsals 12 to 8. I am so lucky to have the most dedicated um, students in the world. Awesome, I'm very, very lucky awesome. Teacher. Well done so far. Give us a big shout out, all of you, from your hotel Are in you ready? Paris. Absolutely. And then off to Disneyland. Go! Well done, guys. Have Thank fun you. tomorrow night. Cheers. Cheers All you. the best. Take care, Eileen. Scott. Hello, Neil. You're a walking, talking genius. Do you know that? Well, do you know, the best thing about that song to me, uh, when I listen to it now, is Colin Blakey's beautiful flute playing. It's the flute playing, the whistle playing, it's Steve Wickham's fiddle playing. It's perfect. Any man that can write a song like that can do no harm to no man. Oh, thank you very much. And so many of them all these years later, without wanting you to sound like an old man, and still going strong. Fair play. 
Yeah, well, that's my job, and I get on with it. And what's the and what's the Irish love? Where did all that come from? The connection with Connemara, the west of Ireland, Galway, Doolin, and County Clare, and all that. Yeah, well, I, f- I found my way to the west of Ireland in the in the nineteen eighties. I was living in Dublin and uh, kind of fell in love with Galway and Connemara, and never looked back. Is it? No, no. I, and I also love Munster. I'm, I'm, in, I'm speaking to you from Cork, and I always love coming to Munster, the, the seat of Irish music and poetry. I, I find it such an inspiring part of well, Ireland. Is that, where the, is, a, is that where the fusion came from? Because originally it would have been kind of, I think your, your early grounding was, was kind of like more punk and then to rock, and now the whole rock, folk, trad fusion. Did that start with your love of Ireland? Uh, yes, you know, I, I grew up in the 60s, so it was pop music and the Beatles and the Stones and all that for me. And then later it would be Bob Dylan and then punk rock. And then it, around about 1979, I was working in a record shop in Edinburgh and there was a bloke there. His name was Ninian Fergus. He's the most Scottishly named man ever. <laughs> and he used to play folk music records on, on the sound system in the record shop. He used to play um, Christy Moore and De Danon. And I was listening to this music thinking, what on earth is all this? And Christy Moore singing Sacco and Vanzetti. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then when I came to Ireland, I realised just how great Christy Moore and the Dannon were and just what, what kind of serious music it was. And, and that was a huge influence on me. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing, the repertoire, when you look back to the back end of the 80s with Fisherman's Blues and the release of albums yeah. before it and many, but all of the hits, I mean, where do they keep? Where do they keep coming from? I mean, you had obviously Fisherman's Blues, Raggle Taggle Gypsy, the whole of the moon yeah. um, on a completely yeah. different stratospheric level. That was internationally famous, wasn't it? Yeah, and Bang on the Ear was a big favourite in Ireland. <clears throat> Old England is dying. This yeah. is the sea. Old England, yeah, yeah. You did yeah. the Stolen Child yeah. as, a, as a homage to Yeats. I mean, it's an incredible right. catalogue. That's right. But yeah. but but you must have had more members of any band. Than anyone in history. <laughs> I saw that. I counted. I mean, was it like something like seventy different musicians have put? <laughs> it's actually over eighty, Neil. Yeah, and counting more than any band in the history of music, I believe. And uh, on a good day, yeah. could you could not not that I want you to do it now, but could you list all of yeah. the former members? <laughs> oh, I certainly could. Yeah, I haven't forgotten any of them, of course. <laughs> yeah. Did yeah. I did I read somewhere back along in the day that there was comparisons with you two that you weren't willing to? except because you said to be as big as you two would actually restrict your musical freedom or worse to that effect. Uh, no, no, I never said that. Um, but but back at that time in the, in the mid-80s, people were saying, oh, the Waterboys will go the same direction as you two, meaning they'll play bigger and bigger venues and arenas and then stadiums. And, and honestly, that wasn't really... What, that wasn't really at the forefront of my mind. It, you know, if they put us in a stadium, that's all very well. But really what, what I wanted to do was I wanted to be the best songwriter and, and have the best band. And that was my ambition and, and to follow the music wherever it took me. And the music had, had ideas of its own. You know, and, and we made The Whole of the Moon and This is the Sea. And everybody thought, well, if the uh, record company would say to me, well, if you make another two records like that, we can really crack you. But I didn't want to make two more records yeah, like that. I wanted yeah. to do something else. Yeah, yeah. I think you also said all the big venues are all very well, but you wanted to be able to see the whites of their eyes. Was that right? You like, you like smaller venues. I have to confess. Yeah, I do, pre- I do prefer venues where I can, can smell the audience. Yeah. Yeah. But what's the secret to longevity? Is it that you have to enjoy it all of the time? For me, yeah, I, I, 
I love playing music. I love making music. I've still got music in my head all day long. Uh, and uh, I've tried always to stay true to what, what the music is telling me to do. And I think that keeps it fresh for me. Yeah. I, I often wonder about, you know, with, with, all of the, with all of the touring, that's important. The gigs are clearly obviously important. The, the studio albums yeah. are important. But it's, it's a changing world now, isn't it? Where everything's, do you have thoughts on, on movement to Spotify and things like that? You know, the, the, the formats of the music business are always changing uh, and, and always will change. So I don't worry about it too much. As long as people can, can access the music, that's, that's the main thing. And do you think there's a big interest now in back catalogue, like you said, for the whole new generation, you know, of the, the big acts that are still... I mean, obviously the Waterboys are still doing their thing. U2, Fleetwood Mac, The Stones, Dylan, Neil Young, Westlife... Yeah. Even even your earlier influences back in Scotland would have been probably Don, would probably been people like Donovan, and he's still playing. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think it's the way it should be. People should be able to make music as long as they're able, regardless of their. But I'm saying it's in, it's introduced to new audiences, younger oh, audiences. I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, of course that's fantastic. I've got a nine-year-old daughter, and I'm trying to interest her in people like Aretha Franklin at the moment, but I'm afraid she's she's not taking it. She she loves Taylor Swift, who's who's pretty good as well. <laughs> but she's only interested in her own generation's music at the moment. Yeah, Maybe what, later. When she's and what and what do you make of music today, though? I mean, do you think it's not very formulaic? Ah, yes, of course. So much pop music is written to formulas. But but there was always formulaic music. There was formulaic music in the 60s, too. So the gig in Cork is June 18th. It's going to have you, good mm-hmm. to have you back on Side. That's a great venue, isn't it, Live at the Marquee? It's a perfect size for what you want to do. That's right. And we played there in 2015, I remember. I remember it was a fantastic show. I was at the gig. It was a super show. Great oh. great sound, incidentally. Really enjoyable. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's it's good it's a wonder how you can actually pick a set list because you've got so many to pick from. Yeah. Well, I, I always uh, spend a few days on it in my music studio, uh, playing all the old songs uh, on guitar and just seeing which ones, which ones sort of poke their head over the parapet and say, yes, please play me. Yeah, but you got to play the hits too, as well, don't you? You got to service the audience well, with the big well, ones. Yeah, I, well, uh, yes, I suppose so. But unfortunately, I enjoy playing loads of the old songs. Yeah, which is great. You never tire of them. Yeah. Um, I'm off to yeah. Edinburgh in a few weeks' time. Any recommendations? Uh, how long are you going to be there for? <laughs> Just 24 hours, maybe 36 hours. 20, 24 hours. Well, if, if you haven't been before, you have to visit the Royal Mile. I'm listening. That's an incredible. Uh, Royal Mile is an incredible part of Edinburgh, the old town. Will it be as hospitable as Corkonians will be to you? Uh, uh, I know. I don't think Edinburgh is that friendly of a city, really. <laughs> Glasgow's friendlier. <laughs> but you were born Edinburgh. in Edinburgh, man. Uh, uh, that's so I'm qualified to to make a judgment call on <laughs> Edinburgh has got the architecture, but Glasgow's got the big heart. All right. Well, I'm going to have to do a second stop over at a later date. You're you're full yeah. time, but you're full time in Ireland now, are you? I've been here this time since 2008. All right, my man. So we can almost claim you as one of our own. Well, I have my passport these days. <laughs> All right. Listen, I'm going to allow you to play a tune out or to pick one. Make sure it's okay. a big hit, though. So let you pick the next tune. Water boys, and what number? Oh, let's hear Fisherman's Blues, please. Great choice. Well made. Thanks for taking the call, Mike. See you on June 18th. Tickets on sale for Live with the Marquee. Take care, brother.
Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Mike Scott and the Waterboys play live at the Marquee, June 18th. And if you thought we had tickets to give away, you would be right. We have two pairs, uh, so two different sets of tickets to give away. Callers 9 and 10 right now on 0818104106. For the Waterboys gig, tickets go on sale Monday for sure. Uh, the 20th at 10 a.m. from Ticketmaster. And uh, Waterboys play on June 18th, 18th. So get dialing for those 0818104106. Yes, people are wondering, well, we absorbed very well organizing lovely... Uh, extra uh, roosters peri peri for Lawrence and the reunification of Nacho the cat but what about Sharon who found uh, the cat that's a good point Sharon wouldn't accept the 500 euro reward uh, that uh, Lawrence had put up for the reunification and the finding of Nacho but he is giving her a 150 euro one for all voucher instead so I think everybody's happy (laughs) and hopefully that will be the end of Nacho's roaming they say that about cats I mean they can be quite territorial I know but they like to go on tour but an 11-week tour, that's a different ball game entirely. Lights open, text 0868 Back after the break. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. Okay. Fridays are mad busy. Free Food Friday, our final shout-outs for Roosters, Perry Perry, to everybody at Absolute Property Group who are listening. They moved into spanking new offices in Bishopstown to House of Hair in Kinsale. Morning, Sandra. To O'Regan Tarmac, would love to win today, working very hard. Siam Warriors in Blarney Street are weighing in this morning after cutting weight ahead of their fights tomorrow at the Parochial Hall. Good morning to all of you. Leisure World in Churchfield. Kirby Car Dismantling in Ballinacurra in Middleton. Cullen View Interiors in Riverstick. DWG on the Tremore Road. Eastern Electric and Little Island are on board. Merchant, sorry, my apologies. Um, Mercy Urgent Care Centre are listening at St Mary's Health Campus. Great service up there. Heart and Vascular Department at the Matter Private Hospital. Morning to Lauren and Joy. To Ready Mix Trucks. Uh, for RPC haulage in Granada. Morning, Ross. Storefit shop fitters in Wilton. I'm always afraid I'm going to say storefit shoplifters. Uh, O'Leary O'Sullivan Development in Nocraha are listening. Three store on Dawn Square are on board. The Agency and Operations Department of Doyle Shipping in Cove. Bieber's Hair Salon in Bishopstown. Route 14 Bar and Restaurant in Toker. Beecher Farms in Castle Lyons. Spring Calves are coming. Pat Dalton's Pharmacy on the North Main Street. TIS Fire Stopping Limited. JMC Couriers in Toker. George at Euro. Car Parts and Ducloin, the Vaccination Centre on the North Main Street, the Cork English Academy are listening. Hi, Audrey. Uh, to Atlantic Flight Training Academy at Cork Airport. Uh, bespoke wedding ceremonies. Uh, apparently, they're extra busy after Valentine's. Brothers of Charity Day Services, TPN at Little Island, Power Aggregates and Carry Tool, the Lock Credit Union, Boss Out Ireland, Little Island, and my little dog Eddie had a very bad fall, broke his leg, which led him to having his leg amputated. Ah, Ray, that's sad. But Galabi Vet looked after him and he wants to put him in for Free Food Friday for today. So it's all pets this morning, isn't it? Whether it's dogs or or cats or indeed teddy bears, right? Hold on a second because I got a request which actually sounds better as a call because there's a lovely story behind it. Breeder. Hello, Neil. On top of everything, we shared this on Facebook last night. And I don't know whether you've seen the response we've got to people who still have their teddy bears, right? 
Absolutely. They've even started to send me photographs of their teddy bears. A 42-year-old teddy bear, a 65-year-old teddy bear, another one that was bought on the Washington Street 43 years ago for £10 and is missing an eye. Loads of people. <laughs> anyway, what's Christopher's story? Because it's his teddy, is it? It's Christopher and Teddy are 35 today, Neil. Happy birthday so, to both. And We actually never named Teddy because from first day he was called Teddy. So to everyone in Cork, he's called Teddy. It's like, that's the way it is, yeah. It's like my son's yeah. name is Luke, but I've always called him Boy. <laughs> yeah, it's just six. So we were living in London at the time and we didn't have any family over there. So we had Christopher and the excitement was something else. So I had Christopher and my husband rushed out of the ward. I thought he was off to get me some flowers. <laughs> he came back with a teddy. And I'll never forget it because it was my first part. <laughs> so I didn't get the flowers, but the teddy was placed next to Christopher and he's been with him since. Through thick and thin and everything. I came back to Ireland when Christopher was seven. He didn't get lost in the transportation or anything. He made it to Ireland, made it to Cork. Well, on the way back, there was a story. We had trucks and the whole lot sent back and forth and we were driving home ourselves with a car full. We had two boys at the time. Christopher was seven and Troy was five. And on the road we realised we forgot Teddy. <laughs> Out of all the stuff we brought. So it was upside down in the car. So at the time my brother Dennis and his wife Marina were living there. So we had to ring them. We said get to the house. Get Teddy. We need Teddy brought home. And they were like how will we get in? We don't know. Just get in and get the Teddy. Break in. <laughs> so the can't remember how they got in, but Teddy was found. Okay, so, so reunified and a new life and a new chapter in Cork. But then Chris went to Australia or something, was it? Yes, then Christopher went to Australia when he was 24, going on 25. Why didn't you bring Teddy and, with him? Well, I think he was trying to find, find his feet and we didn't want Teddy to go over there because Christopher <laughs> would lose himself. So we wanted to hang on to Teddy till he got started. And you know... So, oh, you wanted you wanted to keep him then, is it? I had to keep Teddy some part of him anyway. So your son, your son could go to Australia, but the Teddy has to stay behind. <laughs> no, I was having a year out from Chris. I minded Teddy. All right, okay. All so right. Ten years on, and I've taken the year out. Went to ten years since the twelfth of February. He's ten years. So myself and my husband Chris and my son Craig went to visit him for his twenty ninth birthday, and we brought Teddy back with us. Reunification. And so we're since, reunited after all those years. Okay, so, so and since then, Christopher has settled down. He's got a partner, Florence, and they're expecting their first baby in July. So a grand Absolutely. is that your first grandchild? Is it? Absolutely. We only got that put under the Christmas tree for us Christmas Day. We didn't know that. Oh, what a great Christmas gift! So you'll Absolutely. go back out at some stage, will you? Yes, Christopher and Florence are home for a wedding in April. And then they're due the baby in July. So myself and my husband have booked our tickets. We're going to spend Christmas and the New Year with them. Something wonderful to look forward to. You got in touch with me, says, I hope you get time to read this out today because Christopher and Teddy are actually celebrating their 35th birthday. Is that right? They're with friends at the moment in Melbourne or Brisbane, sorry, Brisbane. Christopher, his friends, Florence and Teddy, they're all celebrating over in Brisbane as we speak. Okay. And I they're don't, on the radio waiting. I don't know whether you're aware of it or not, but I have Chris on line five. Chris, good morning. Oh, What's happening? The mortification of it, huh? I, I told him not to come on. <laughs> he wants to clear his name, I'm told. Is that right, Chris? Very much so, Chief. Very much so, like. <laughs> 
what, what what's the backstory to this? I mean, uh, do you sleep with with Teddy now? Is there you on one side of the bed, Florence on the other, and Teddy in the middle? This is exactly why I'm on here right now. Right? <laughs> in the most in the most corkish way I can say it, man. Stop no bye, Willa. <laughs> Honestly, like too late now. Too late. Yeah. We're on today. Today is my birthday, and I'm receiving text messages off everyone all day. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! <laughs> but in top of that, I'm receiving memes with the power of social media and iPhones, <laughs> with my head on top of teddy bears, <laughs> asking the exact same questions. When? What's going on? <laughs> if you need to talk about it, you keep it the light on. It's just accelerated throughout the day. Do you have to be sung to sleep at nursery rhymes? <laughs> yeah. Ba ba so, black like, sheep. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm here to clear my name in regards as my mother just said. Yes, she did bring the teddy bear. Yes. It was in Darwin, and yes, he's still in my possession, but I do not sleep with Teddy Bear at night. <laughs> where does he... So where is Teddy then? He's not in a box under the stairs or anything like, no? No, as my mother mentioned, France is pregnant at the moment, expecting her first child and her first grandchild in July, so it's actually been placed in a basket in the nursery for a new arrival. So oh. he, thought, <laughs> he thought that his time and his days were up. But little does he know, he's starting a new shift come July. <laughs> he's starting a new lease of life. You're he's passing... He's a break from Christopher. He's, well, he's just passing them on to the next generation. Yeah, yeah. Tell, yeah. tell me this, though. What, are you going to give him a name, Chris? Who? The teddy bear. <laughs> <laughs> come on, O'Neill. The thing's name is cemented forevermore after this. Like, it's Teddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh well happy birthday to both of you 35 years young best of luck with the arrival of your first <laughs> thank you so thank much you Neil it was great to get on for his birthday absolutely happy to do it well done and happy to but clear just remember <laughs> do not sleep with teddy bear that is not the case it's in my possession <laughs> <laughs> He knows he's going to get fair flagging from this. All right, well, that, you know, that's the evidence on behalf of the defence now at this stage. So we'll have to, we'll have to leave it yeah, up to right, people. Yeah, obviously, innocent until proven. That's right. Show yeah. me one photograph <laughs> with me inside the bed with him. <laughs> Will you stop? I'll have a heart attack. Happy birthday! <laughs> Appreciate it, Chief. Thanks All very right, much. Man, take care, Steph. And thank you as well. <laughs> Happy birthday, Christopher and Teddy. Thanks, Breda. You're all stone mad. <laughs> Oh man, you gotta laugh. Back after the break. Ah, uh, yeah. Very true. Call the Neil Very Prenderville true. Show now. 0818 104 106. Red FM. Just a fast one. I can come back to this on Monday if possible. And I know it's Friday and we're up for a laugh on a Friday. So just a fast one on this. Chloe. Hello. I know that I've just got loads of photographs of people's teddies. I mean, you wouldn't believe it, the amount of people that have teddies and have had them for 50 or 60 years. One question wow. for you, is there anywhere, because people are texting, is there anyone that does teddy repairs where they might sew in, sew on back an arm or sew in a missing eye and things like that? You know, like a teddy hospital. Um, I think there actually is. And do you know what? Two seconds now because... Going to Google it because I actually okay. Well, you can you can you can Google it as as we're chatting because I know that your your teddy is called what is it? Bow Wow. 
Oh, no, and that's my childhood friend. So basically our two teddy bears were best friends. Um, my friend Emily's teddy was Bow Wow and my teddy is Ted. Ted, okay. <laughs> so so Ted um, has been all over the world. Has it travelled with you all over the world? Yeah, he's been absolutely all over the world. And has Ted been blessed by the Pope? <laughs> yes. Yeah, for my communion. <laughs> how, how, what, did the Pope come to your school or something? Um, no, I went away to, um, well, it was up in, sorry, I don't know, was it the Pope? But I think it was, um, <laughs> I don't know. We went to um, Mount Mellory um, with my scouts group. And then I went back again then with my Aunt Johanna um, because my communion was coming up and, you know, you have to. <laughs> go off on your retreats and do your prayers and make sure you know everything. And was <laughs> well, it nineteen seventy eight or seventy nine? No, no. Well, then it wasn't the Pope. It was no, a, <laughs> it was probably a Mount Millery monk. <laughs> yeah, it was a monk. It was, it was definitely a monk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh for God's sake! And 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 um, when you go to hospital, he goes to hospital. Is it? Yeah, when so, you go um, in to give birth with your of your daughter, he goes in to give birth with you. Yeah, oh, he was everywhere with me. Um, so, like, if I was ever in hospital as a child, if I was ever sick, if I had the flu or anything, I was sick from school. That's it. He was stuck to me for sure. He was stuck to me anyway. <laughs> but if I went into hospital or anything, he'd come with me. If I went off um, on family vacations and stuff, we went off to Turkey, Greece, and all that. He's in great shape. He's always in the suitcase. Is oh that, yeah, he's been all over the world. Is he the white fella they have in front of me? He is, yeah. I have to say, in my crazy head, he looks like a dog. Yeah, so there's actually been some debate. Yeah, um, I actually have so to I tell you, Chloe, I don't think he's a teddy bear. I think he's... I, do you remember Mr. George from Wanderley Wagon? You're probably way too young. Yeah. Do you remember? Like, uh, no. Uh, very <laughs> like him, actually. Huh? He's just missing is the black he? spots that Judge used to have, yeah. Does he look like a teddy bear to you? He's like a cross between a teddy and a dog, isn't he? He, he kind of, when I was younger, I actually thought he was a bunny rabbit. Well, the ears aren't long enough for Bunny Rabbit. He's very cute, though. He's a lovely little face. But he's not a bear. Oh, he used to be, he's he a used mix. To be so fluffy and white. Like, um, But over the years, I've done some maintenance on him. Uh, so I found that hospital that you're talking about because I actually was going to send him off there. No, it's Lan O'Connor has a teddy. She's had it like... Well, actually, it's my son. Stuart has a teddy. Yeah, away, and as, he's had, as he says, I've had him since I was zero. So he's 19 <laughs> now and he's a Winnie the Pooh, but we call him Teddy What's as well. What's he missing? Um, a nose. And his he needs to be kind of restuffed because his arms are very floppy looking, and he doesn't have the you know the big round little tubby little belly that um, Winnie the Pooh has. Well, Ted doesn't you have stop. that anymore. I've reached a new low <laughs> now, talking about the anano- an- anatomical makeup of Teddy Bear. Would you please tell us where we can get a Teddy hosp- a Teddy Hospital? Um, so Bear Essentials is actually the place that I have there on Facebook, um, and they're supposed to be absolutely fantastic I've, I've gotten in touch with them over the years I'm very into teddy bears um, <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm absolutely if you, anyone I know um, they're, they're in Cavan I think so fair play to you okay but there's one in Cork Pinocchio's Toys and Gift Shop treat teddy oh. bears and dolls in their oh. teddy bear and doll hospital they've been doing it for 20 years uh, Wyon Stansfield says they admit patients of all ages and health and they're on Paul Street so if anybody's Perfect. got a doll or a teddy bear that needs repair Pinocchio's is the place to be Chloe I wish I had more time I could talk teddy bears all day 
not. <laughs> have a good weekend. Ted, Ted thanks you for having us. <laughs> I'd love to live in your world as well. Final word this morning then. Free Food Friday winners for the week that's in it. And on line three, I should have Graham from, where are they? GRP Roofing Supplies on Tremoro. Graham, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Um, I've seen your name come up for a long, long time. So congratulations. What What is it you do? You sell things that people do to fix up their roofs, is it? Absolutely. Fiberglass roofing. There isn't There isn't half enough of you there, though. How many have you got? Are there not... Oh, there we've bus- got a big crowd here now. So are there other businesses around you in the Tremoro Commercial Park? Absolutely. So we've got Panoptic IT Solutions, Sports Gear Direct, Caremark and Stolen Stitches. And I hear Print Express as well, Kira's Dancewear, Dog Day yeah. Media. There's, so there's easily 15 or 20 of you there then. Absolutely. Okay, well, Roosters Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park, as we speak, are preparing your food and the Red Patrollers will deliver to you this lunchtime. But I want the biggest shout out you can come up with. So round up the troops and give us a big cheer. That's a good one. That's a winner. Happy weekend to you, Graham. Food's on the way. Cheers, pal. Thank you. You're welcome. Enjoy the weekend and enjoy the food. And again, thank you to Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. And for the extra little bit of food for Lawrence and Nacho and all of the family. We had some good laughs this morning. Have a great weekend, guys. I'll see you Monday. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.